0: this podcast is with my brother Makad Brooks who is an actor he's currently a lead on law and order he's also Jackson Mortal Kombat you may have seen him in many films he's also a musician but more importantly than that he is my fucking brother in this life in every other life beyond this life and we get to share stories of an initiatic pilgrimage to Egypt and we take our time and we tell these Unbelievable stories that may actually be unbelievable when you listen. So I invite you to listen with an open mind and an open heart and feel free to bring your full amount of skepticism for everything we share because it really is out of this world. And part of that is because we were with an otherworldly being, Matthias De Stefano, who remembers his past lives. And when I ask him what his job is in this world, he says, Ah, I'm a portal. And he portaled us to some unbelievable places, places where myself and Makad, two longtime, multi decade psychonauts, both had the most powerful experiences of our lives. So we're here to tell the stories, to open our hearts, and to share the pilgrimage that we went on, the lessons, and our commitment to actually serve the world in the best way that we know how. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. Apollo Neuro. Now, Apollo is a stress relief wearable that is designed to help you become a calmer, more mindful version of yourself through touch therapy. And it does this by providing these warm, pulsing sensations that actually go through the device. And it's really interesting to feel the effects that this has on your nervous system. It's something that Vilana and I will use both when we're in a medicine journey or a meditation or sometimes a breath work experience. But honestly, it doesn't have to be during any of those experiences. The effects of the Apollo wearable will be noticeable whether you're actually paying attention to it or not, or whether you're in one of those transformational or transcendental states or not. Some of the results of the clinical trials that they've done on Apollo Neuro have shown that users experience 40% less stress and feelings of anxiety, 19% more time in deep sleep, up to 25% increases in focus and concentration. And all of these different effects are based on different programs and different pulses that the Apollo Neuro actually pushes through in the vibrational mechanism of the device itself. Just like our brainwaves pulse at different frequencies That allows us to actually access different states of consciousness this is working in not exactly the same way but it's working in a similar way pushing out different frequencies of pulses that are sensed by the skin and received by the nervous system it's a really cool device developed by neuroscientists and doctors you may have heard dr dave rabin talk about it on my podcast already so if you're interested, go to Apolonuro.com slash Aubrey. That's n slash Aubrey. And you will get $40 off of the wearable. So without further interruption, a podcast with my brother, McCod Brooks. Well, McCod, my brother. We yeah. have a cornucopia, a feast of things that we can talk about. Let's dig in. Let's dig yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, man.
1: holy shit. There's so much. There's So much, man.
0: There's So much. So we just got <clears throat> back from Egypt like a week ago. Mm-hmm. We're here in Montana now. Just mm-hmm. had an unbelievable summit with yeah, Fit for Service. You did. You dropped some fire knowledge to the squad about chaos and about our quantum existence. Thanks for having me. Of course, brother. It's an honor. It was an honor for all of us to have Thank you, you share your wisdom like that. Thank you. And then there's a million things we could talk about that happened in the last few years since we actually had a podcast. But it's been a while, yeah. I think well. since it's fresh, <laughs> let's just go into Egypt, man.
1: Because <laughs> Egypt, Egypt, Egypt fucks. Egypt fucks. Egypt fucks. Egypt fucks souls. <laughs> and I don't mean like, in like, oh, it fucks. I mean like it fucks with souls. Mm-hmm. Like it, it makes love to souls. It, 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 it shares intimacy with souls. Like, I don't think there's, this is gonna be a strong statement, but I think that perhaps every human soul has gone through Egypt at some point in time in the last 100,000 years. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It just, it feels familiar to
0: everybody. There's a richness there that's mind-blowing. In the mm-hmm. backdrop of Egypt, I mean, Egypt's an intense place. Mm-hmm. Like, just the nature of it. And then it also has the antiquity element of it. this right. this history mm-hmm. of spiritual practices that you can feel have been real. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the temples, mm-hmm. the gods and goddesses yeah. that have been actualized either because they were original from Genesis or they've been actually called forth by the worship itself for for these thousands of years years to coalesce this particular formation and pattern of energy and call it Osiris or call it Horus or call it Isis. Mm -hmm. But there's many names in many cultures for these archetypal energies, but Egypt has a particular signature to these beings and these energies. That we got to experience, and part of the reason we got to experience is yes, we're open to such things. This right. is part of our practice, part of right. our life. But we also happen to be with Matthias Motherfucking
1: De Stefano, unbelievable. Like just just an oracle in a t shirt, mm-hmm. just like oh, so you're a a whole complete oracle that also makes ho- crazy jokes and
0: like
1: yeah, yeah. and and uh, eats cake, a lot of cake and yeah. and like he's just. Going to to Egypt with Matthias, I, I would imagine has to be like going to you know the, well, rural France with Joan of Arc or something. I just I just don't yeah. even know how to explain it. It's just it's something else. It's it's
0: really indescribable. Yeah, and I want to jump to a moment to explain. A moment where Matthias got real, real for you in particular, you and our, and our brother, Justin. So this is, we're going a little, we're going a little bit out of order here because yeah. there was first the Temple of Isis. And I want to tell some Temple of Isis stories, the it's Temple incredible. of Philae, wow. which was one of the most incredible. beautiful places I've ever seen I on the face of this life. earth. Like, and in Valana, I got to do a sound healing in the courtyard, the first ever amplified sound healing. I mean, an amazing job. Also, mm. you know, mad respect to the Daybreaker crew mm. and, they and killed it. Rada, Rada and, and Mickey, Eli, 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 Eli they, like the whole crew really, Tim, really killed it. Yep. They all killed it. They all killed it. So we're going to skip over the first temple on the initiatic path, which is the Temple of Isis with a little asterisk and a footnote that we'll go back and talk back. about the Temple of Isis. But we're going to, we're going to talk about the second temple and it mm. was Kumumbro Cumumbra, Kumumbro Kumumbro and this is a temple where there's, uh, there's a master of, of unity and also darkness and shadow. Duality. Yeah. Duality, yeah. 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 And Matthias, so Matthias is going, and I'll start the story, and then it'll get to the part <laughs> where your story really kicks in. I'll start the story where Matthias is channeling. He's got his little, he's got like a, a shroud over his head, and he's channeling this being, and the being is calling everybody out. Calling people out for being liars, not being authentic, claiming true love, Mm -hmm. and not participating in true love, Mm -hmm. participating in the games of duality, in the intentional ignorance of our unity, Mm -hmm. right? So he's calling, but it's interesting because Matthias, English is a second language, and the channel's coming through, and it's coming through to inform us, so it's coming through in English, because he wants to teach us, the being that's coming through him wants to teach us. But it's, it's weird.
1: It's, it's not Matthias' English. No. Right, it's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's a being translating whatever their native tongue is into that, that- Into Matthias's second language of English. Right, and it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like he uses words he doesn't use normally. Yeah. Like, or maybe he doesn't have a mastery over. And, and you can tell that you're in the presence of something happening just energetically and, and vocally. Mm -hmm. Like it's 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 there for 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 your for your ears to hear. Yeah, yeah.
0: So he leads us through, winding through the halls of this temple, going to all the secret spots, and he finally ends up in this kind of standing crypt thing. And Vailana's singing behind him, and he's saying wild shit, and and then he just books and takes off. Right, Mm -hmm. and typically I'm like right on his heels because I want a part of that magic, but. I could feel the group like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So I was like, I got to bring this thing together.
1: And everybody, and he ran right by you. Yeah. So everybody's looking and then their eyes just kind of fall on you. Yeah. And you're like, uh, uh yeah. So I was like, all right. <laughs> like, so I, I, I brought him. So yeah, let, me, yeah. let, let me close I'm, this I'm up. I'm partially
0: responsible. I'm almost <laughs> mostly responsible for this. So I'm going to try and wrap this yeah. up in a little bow so everybody can go to sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah. And so I just like, you know, guide people through a little meditation, a little OM. And then you and Justin, go with Matthias behind the temple. Mm -hmm. And this was an experience that only you you guys were there. So I'm going to let you take off and tell this story from here to just give a flavor of the gravitas of what we were fucking dealing with in Egypt.
1: Let me preface this story by saying, you may not believe me, I also don't care if you believe me. <laughs> I wouldn't believe me if I wasn't there. <laughs> Let me just preface it by saying that because it's it's uh, it's very present and very true. <clears throat> so Matthias finishes um, channeling and l- runs. He runs off. Like he literally mm. runs off. You start handling the closure of that of that channeling ceremony. Let's call it that, and. I'm in presence of that, and then but something in my awareness goes, "Go with him." I said, okay, so I take off, you know, with purpose towards the direction he went. And he went behind the temple to this huge wall of hieroglyphics, and I see him with his hand on the wall, squatting or kneeling, and I see this guard behind him trying to talk to him, and the guard is realizing that he's not responding. So the guard steps back um, you know, in, 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 in reverence, frankly, because I mm-hmm. think he understands what's happening. And then something told me to go kneel on Matthias's left side behind him. And Matthias, or, let's say, whoever he was channeling, um, kind of looks towards me, acknowledges me respectfully and I keep my distance and I'm just kind of there holding space. And then the next thing I know, my hand goes up and I'm pulled to the wall like a magnet. I didn't walk. I didn't have a lot of free will in that moment. My hand went up and it drew my hand to the wall onto a certain hieroglyph and it stuck me there. And I I let go, I surrendered to that, to that experience. and and some chanting started coming out of me <clears throat> and and Matias is chanting and this is when i know notice uh, Rezvani, Justin Resvani on the right side of Matias behind him and um he has his hand on the wall and he's just kind of feeling things and and we're all just there and holding space and um and it's just you three in the guard just three just us three in the guard at this point in time, Matisse is getting louder with his channeling, and the guard is stepping back. And and this is like midnight, by the way. Just yeah, to set the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I night. mean, I don't know why we went to a temple at midnight of duality. At midnight. At midnight. Like, <laughs> but like, that's where we were I, at midnight. I highly recommend it and don't recommend it at all. <laughs> um, and so we're there, and the next thing I know. You know, as my chanting, like I'm self conscious about what I'm doing. I'm like, am I do, am I, am I doing something? Am I, am I, am I being an actor right now? Am I adding my own flavor to this? Like, what's happening? Right. Because uh, I really never had that happen. And but I remember Matthias gave a talk early on. You and Matthias gave a talk early on, uh, conversation on the boat, and Matthias talked about, you know, that we are, the AI of the mineral world, right? Particularly psyllium, which can talk back, right? Their cell phones happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I guess I'm talking to the minerals, and I felt a little something. I felt, you know, like a almost like a recognition uh, or an acknowledgement from the minerals in, 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 in the in the temple. Yeah, the consciousness of the atomic wall, the the atomic structure of the
0: walls themselves, right. the silica, right. the
1: the quartz, the all all of that. that when you're there. speaking on an atomic level, everything's alive. Yeah. Right. And so. The atoms in me were communicating with the atoms of the temple. Mm -hmm. I've come to understand it that way and accept it that way. All of a sudden, and this is the part you don't have to believe, and I wouldn't if I wasn't there myself. The wall started vibrating like a speaker at a concert, like if you ever put your hand on a a, a really big speaker and it's like like that, it feels almost malleable like a trampoline all of a sudden. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Next thing I know, Matthias yells, he gets thrown back with his feet in the air. Like his feet like, it's funny, actually, because it's, 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 it's like a it's like a Steve Martin comedy. He's like, ah! <laughs> like, he's got his hand on the wall. Next thing I know, it's vibrating. Next thing I know, he's shot back. His feet are like this, like next to my shoulders. He lands on the ground maybe 10 feet back, slides. And as soon as he hits the ground, all the lights went out. <laughs> I was like, did he land on a light switch? <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what? I make movies for a living. I make TV shows for a living. This would take five or six takes for people to get right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 it felt like being on a movie set where everything just happened perfectly. And I'm, I'm sitting here looking for the director, like cut, like what, like yeah. did, and Justin goes, oh my god, and I go, <laughs> holy shit. The, the, the uh, security guard goes, oh my god, <laughs> like he starts praying to Allah. I'm not kidding. He's like, he's going, he's going nuts. Matthias is, uh, is recovering. We, we go to him, we try to lift him up. He, he, he can't, he doesn't, he's like coughing and like hacking and like, you know, burping and all these things are coming out of him. His eyes are not back yet. Like they're in the top of his head. And we're trying to lift him up and he's just like not quite there. Then we finally get him up and the guard comes over and goes, Monsieur, Monsieur, you okay? You okay? And Matthias goes, yeah. And he starts burping and coughing more and like, he's, he's coming back, he's coming back. And then um, we're holding him up and, and, and Justin and I are like, did we fucking just see, did we see what we just saw? Did the wall just throw him <laughs> 10 feet that way? And he, it's when he hit the ground, the lights went off? And it wasn't like all the temple lights went off. It was just the lights where we were. Yeah. In the in the like scene. three big lights that were lighting up the wall and lighting up where we were. It <laughs> all went off and they didn't come back on. And the rest of the temple lights were on. So it, call it what you will. I felt like something came out of Matthias and jumped back into the wall and that caused his cause a kinetic reaction of energy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that was the part. So when I saw Justin after that, like you you've you've traversed, I've seen crazy. Shit. You've tra- traversed the psychedelic threshold and traveled through many dimensions, seen a lot of shit. So you were you were kind of, your mind was blown, but you were also holding it with kind of like a smile and kind of mm-hmm. like a, God, that, that was some fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Justin was just wide-eyed, like the first time someone saw
1: a UFO or like a ghost. Just, I, I had to hold Justin up on the, on the walk back. Like he was wobbling. Like he, he almost fainted. Uh, and um, look, I've seen things that I, I can't explain since I was a kid. And I've seen things I can't. I, I can't explain. But this was in the realm of of you know top five, top ten, where I was like, this the magic is real. Yeah, magic is real. There's there was a kinetic response. There was there was minerals communicating. There was a being communicating through him. I saw a kinetic response from the wall. Felt it. Saw him get shot back, propelled back ten feet. Like I thought he hurt himself. That's not somebody throwing themselves back for 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 you know performative reasons. Like he could have hurt himself. Like really, like I was like, oh my God. Like this is like <laughs> poltergeist. They just, they just whipped his ass. I was like, oh shit. Like it was, it was, I I I was like, is he okay? You know? It's,
0: and that's it, it, that's, that's what
1: that's what fucked with
0: Justin the most. The the thing is, because you know, Justin's a psychonaut as well, and we've done ayahuasca together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you see things in your visions, but you're like, okay, it's cool when they're in the visions. And it's in this, it's this, in this realm other of realm of possibilities of right. yeah, yeah. Of, of things that you see and maybe mm-hmm. emotions that you can feel, maybe a little heat in your hands, or maybe but mm-hmm. those can all be expressed by like just different blood flow patterns and yeah. things. You can but explain all those away. You can explain all those yeah. away, but what really fuck with him was that you couldn't explain this away and it crossed the threshold of newtonian physics Mm. where at a certain point that's not in in his mind that's not supposed to be possible where it's like you can have this whole visionary quantum realization of possibility in that state but then when it crosses the threshold where actually weight matter Is is being being dispelled. This being dispelled. Yeah. That's where it got really, that's where it shifted a whole worldview. And I think still I wasn't there for it, but I, and I wish, I mean, I wish I was in some regards, but I also don't have a difficult time actually believing that. But for someone like Justin, it was like, he has to integrate that by either isolating that as an incident and explaining it away as it, as if it Mm. didn't happen or weave it, into his worldview and that's mm. what integration really is it's like can you weave this new truth mm. into your entire worldview mm. so that now the possibility that magical if you want to call it or psychic or or ethereal mm. forces can watching. actually move matter right can move yeah. matter in an, in
1: the 3d well, it was like watching a grand scale like this 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 incredibly Grand collision of quantum mechanics, on a scale that you could you could see. Yeah, these were atoms colliding with something that caused this reaction, and you're just like, "What took him from here to there?" That's not a human being's ability to jump backwards that way, and also try and to, to try to keep themselves safe like that. That like he could have really hurt himself. If he was just doing that for our, our our benefit, right? And I don't know anybody who would do that <laughs> in their right mind, right? Yeah. Like and and, and like he skid, yeah. Like he it, something threw him, <laughs> and I was standing right next to him, and I could and, and I I felt the impact, and I felt the wind get knocked out of him. I heard it. It's like whoa! I was just like, wow and I felt the wall, the wall vibrating. So there's, 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 just nothing that I can do to try to explain it away. I have to weave this into my worldview, which is, um, uh, somehow in some ways, uh, regrettably not so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I've seen so much, but at the same time, I'm, I'm I feel blessed to have seen that. Yeah. I feel sure. completely blessed to have seen that. Sure. It reminds myself. me of that. It's
0: like in that Patrick Swayze ghost mm. movie, you know, where the ghost mm. starts knocking shit over in the subway. You mm-hmm. know, it's like the ghost is actually able to cross the threshold and like move shit around. And that's like the moment where you realize you could, and those those are the moments that are the, the paradigm shifting. But the purpose of this story is just to express the world that we were abiding in as we were in Egypt. And so... I wanted to tell that story first to give people an idea of we were in not only in Egypt, but we were in a different entire paradigmatic place, like, like where different things were possible and magic was very real and not Mm -hmm. just real
1: in our mind. But real in ways that we could feel it in a three dimensional physical sense, in which we could experience its results and yeah. its effects. And yeah, yeah, the, the way you're putting it is perfect because we were in Egypt, but we were also somewhere else. There was a layer of this of this um, other dimension laid upon where we were physically as well. Mm-hmm. And Matthias brought us there every time. Yeah, and I think that. Yeah, we were in Egypt for two weeks, but we were also in this other dimension, existing in this other dimension, gathering codes from this other dimension, gathering lessons from this other dimension, which have already helped me in my life, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still integrating. Of course, I'm, yeah, I mean, of I mean, course. I'm like This is like,
0: like, this is, it's so, it was such an unbelievably powerful journey so we'll go back to the temple of isis and the temple of isis now that you've heard you know this story from the second temple the temple of isis in philae you know again matthias is doing his doing his magical magical things and one of the things that he did we're going into the holy of holies Mm -hmm. and matthias looks down to his left and he sees this mother cat and then he just, without even changing his gaze, he puts his palm down on the ground mm-hmm. and the kitten climbs into his other right
1: palm mm-hmm. and he just swoops up this kitten. When the kitten comes up from under the floorboard, come from under the floorboard. He yeah. didn't know it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one knew the kitten was there. No. The kitten emerged. The kitten, <laughs> kitten appeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kitten manifested. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then comes in and rests in his palm. Matthias knows exactly what to do, goes in, walks into the Holy of Holies. Which and, where, where
1: there's an altar there. Like, full, yeah. Those of you who don't know the Holy of Holies, it's the center focus of any temple right. that has an altar. Yep. yep. And
0: he's holding this kitten. And I have to say, like I was like, is this going to get dark? Like, Matias, to is is Matias going to bite this kitten's yeah, yeah. head off? How's yeah. like, the, like, <laughs> the fish, like, wow.
1: yeah, Exactly.
0: Yeah. But he was channeling Isis, so of yeah. course not. It's yeah. the Divine Mother, and right. so the kitten was just purring and meowing, and he's holding up the holding up the kitten in the temple, and you know, Vailana's singing, and Matthias is toning, and you just feel the energy, the abundance, and the fertility, and the sense of isis now isis is a part of so many m a g i c k magical rituals that mm-hmm. we do in the west like isis 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 decks there's isis but in isis's temple it feel like like i got to feel her mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. it was like oh wow mm-hmm. you know and it's like a signature of aphrodite and a signature of the great mother and venus. and venus yeah. and 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 Gaia and all of these things, but but it's its its own, yeah, it's its own particular signature. She has, she has her way. She has her way, and she would just reveal different downloads and different things that we're still integrating. You know, like the ISIS messages, and some of it just shakes you, like what the fuck. You know what I mean? Like massive, massive, massive. And that's that That to me was when I was like, oh, wow, there's something different that's going to happen. Now, I will say that my home medicine, the medicine that really opens me up to the extrasensory perception is the combination of ketamine and cannabis, right? And I've shared this many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this was with me in many of these different journeys, not in particularly high doses. No, but mean, it was, you, you don't need it. You don't need it, but no. it was with me. So it opened me up, you yeah. know, as... That's what allowed me to feel it, but as I was open, the texture and the gravity mm. of the energy mm-hmm. that you would feel in each place mm-hmm. was astounding.
1: Mm-hmm. My my medicine of choice for the most part was psilocybin, a little bit of cannabis, ca uh, anubis, if you will, <laughs> um, and I. It, it's almost like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come out here and say I, I understood the hieroglyphs, but they spoke to me in a different way than I could imagine. Like where I, I I was led to different hieroglyphs sometimes to put my hand on them and understood that there was a technology of touching them, almost like braille, mm. right? And uh, they weren't just for, you know, deciphering and looking at, but th- th- there was an experiential. Um, relationship I think that, that the ancient Egyptians and, and the Kemet people had with touching uh, the hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was very present for me. Uh, and I think psilocybin helped bring that out. And also just, you you could just feel the amount of love and devotion and, purpose that people had put into those walls yeah not just in the structure not just in in, in the building process but the centuries the millennia of coming there to worship yep and having building a relationship with the spirit of that temple that was was so
0: present that was what was really unique is that there's not a lot of places where temples that old still exist with the right. same altars that were used in the magical rituals the exactly. same walls and yeah. if you live in an animistic universe which mm-hmm. most medicine people who once you go in you have an animistic viewpoint this mm-hmm. is what don howard would explain is you
1: recognize that all Everything's things real. are alive everything and, and, and if you don't think that just go to the to the atomic scale exactly and then yes they are scientifically and then that's
0: all and that's all we are everything is everything is alive and so the walls are holding the memory of Mm -hmm. all of the worship Mm -hmm. that's been there everything that's been it's been happening it's it's it's
1: there and it's accessible Mm -hmm. because the walls still stand they they, have and they've been there for however many thousands of years and the atoms haven't changed exactly you know maybe they've been exchanged in some way but like they haven't changed yeah the memory is still there and they're holding those 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 intentions and those uh, those those. I I, I don't know if the, what the word is. They're holding the ka of the people who have been there uh-huh. over millennia. Yeah, and it's fuck. You can just feel it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So now let's move along nah. the
0: initiatic <laughs>
1: path to the <laughs> temple of Horus. Oh my God. The yeah. Temple
0: of Horus. Now we get up real early. We do some yoga at dawn. We got up at four, four right? Four o'clock. Four. then no, we left at four. Left at four. We four o'clock. Up at three something. And that's right after the right after the Camombro. And it's we're going straight into the Temple we're four of Four hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe less and we're doing we do yoga in the morning i'm like really do we need to do yoga we could maybe sleep but it was beautiful it was beautiful so Mm -hmm. we get in there exhausted and we start going into the temple of horus and the temple of horus Mm -hmm. some very special shit started happening for you in the temple of horus and for me it was the temple of dendra and i'll Mm -hmm. tell that temple temple story where where my big activation happened was a different temple on the path but this is time for you to tell your story, <laughs> <laughs> in the temple of oh. <laughs> because, because that's when shit got real weird, and in the most beautiful way, w y r d in that magical weird,
1: <laughs> w y r d w h y r d <laughs> wired. Why did this? Why me? Why did this happen? Oh. Uh, Let me start this story off by rewinding eight or nine years ago. <clears throat> I'm at an ayahuasca ceremony that I set up in Ojai. It's about 20 people there. And it was a three-day ceremony, a three-day um, ceremonial process. And on the third day, I have this bees visions about being in ancient Egypt. And they're, they're fairly monotonous visions. It was me and another guy. We're teenagers and we're laughing and making fun of who I think is our father, who's giving a speech, these big pillars everywhere. And it felt older than Egypt. It felt so you're older. in a
0: vision space with a guy in the actual 3D in your, th- in your 30s, 40s, no, 30s. 30s. And yeah, you think
1: I'm 50, bro? What yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I was like, uh,
1: <laughs> you're 40 now. Uh, so you're in, but in the vision, you were teenagers. So in the vision space, I'm a teenager. I'm maybe 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Maybe. And he's 15 years old about that. Now, mind you, the other guy who's with me in the vision is also in the ceremony. Right. Yeah. He's an acquaintance of mine. And, um, and um we're it's a monotonous sort of vision. um we're like laughing at, at 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 some father figure. Maybe he's our father. I don't know, maybe we're brothers i don't I don't recall. and in this vision space, we're making fun of his speech. there's these big pillars and 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 it felt a little older than ancient Egypt. maybe it was chem um and I remember that we had gone boating that day or canoeing or something, and like I hit him with a paddle or something like that. And he was really upset about that. And like, <laughs> and it was like it was like one of these memories where you're like, oh well, you know, I treated somebody wrong. Like it wasn't like this was grand like, sort of like, oh. Yeah, my it was like God. big
0: brother, little brother shit. Yeah, it was just you like, know, like normal. Oh, you got a mosquito on you. Whack, I'm yeah, gonna hit you was, with a paddle. It
1: was more Whatever. like it was more like, if you can't out paddle me, you get hit. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? And it was like this really monotonous sort of like very mundane memory of ancient Egypt. It's like, it wasn't like this big sort of revelation. It was just like, okay, that's interesting that I'm having this. And I remember I felt bad. So I, I had this, in the vision space, I had this, this uh, water that was this condensed ball of water from Atlantis. And it was like uh, an, an heirloom. So I gave it to him to make him feel better. And he, he he appreciated it. So after the ceremony's over, it's the next morning, and he comes and lays down next to my mat, and he goes, "We were in ancient Egypt together, huh?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, wow." I was like, "You know that?" He's like, "Yeah, it's very clear." So we start talking about both of our visions, and and they're directly aligned. There's 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 no space in between them. Wow. We're both at these pillars. We're both laughing at the father figure. I gave him the ball of water. I had whacked him with a paddle. He he had more insight on that part of the story because he remembered it. And he, he who's mad at me. <laughs> he was mad at me now for thousands of years later for, some, for hitting him with a paddle or something. I don't know. And then he, 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 he's looking at me and he goes, you know, I, I came across that, that condensed water you gave me in this life. It's a crystal. I was like, Get out of here! And he goes back to his his mat and he comes over and he hands me this this crystal ball, about this big, little little smaller than a golf ball. Yeah, yeah, maybe a tiny ping pong ping pong ball. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. And I, I was astounded because I remember it looked just like that, and I was like, "What the fuck? This is crazy!" He's like, "I I always knew this was someone else's. I just didn't know who." And he gave it to me, and You know, fast forward many years later, couple moves, different countries, bunch of movies. You're packing stuff up, unpacking. I lost it, it was gone. Had no idea where it was, but I knew that one day if I was gonna go to Egypt that I I should bring it, because that's where it came from. So fast forward to the last day, the day we're leaving for Egypt. It pops into my consciousness. It's like fuck. I really wish I could find that thing. It's just like that's you know it's not it's not here. I open up my my medicine cabinet in my in my bathroom, and in front of my toothbrush is this little Indian bag, that I've never seen before. And I'm like, just in front of my toothbrush. What is it? I open it up. There's the ball. I tell Frida. She's like, you know, I've seen that bag. It's kind of popping up here and there. I didn't know what it was. I was like, you have something? Like, yeah. I was like. I haven't seen this in years. So I'm like, okay, this ball wants to go home. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen other crazy shit. This is not like, this is part of my worldview at this point. I can, I, can, I can weave this into my worldview. Fine, cool. Take the ball with me. I, I bring it to the temple of Isis. It's like, it doesn't resonate there. it's like, okay. So I keep it, keep it on me. Kamombo uh, doesn't resonate there. Okay, cool. We're doing yoga. And the ball falls out of the bag, right? Like out of my medicine bag, out of this bag. It's in there. And the ball in the Indian bag comes out. And it's like just sitting there. I'm like, ah, okay. It's letting me know something. I grabbed the ball. During the yoga, I had, you know, and I have an on again, off again relationship with yoga. It's like a, it's like an ex-girlfriend, I can't quit. Like, <laughs> she, she's great at so many things, but she's so annoying. Like, <laughs> she's always pushing my limits. I don't like, it makes me get up early and like yeah. you know like do stuff with my body I don't feel like doing. And like, you know, so the, I'm, I'm judging the yoga a little bit because it's, 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 it's a lot for 4 a.m. <clears throat> and there's a part of me like halfway through the yoga where I just felt this other activation happening and it wasn't it wasn't the yoga. It was the temple and I felt um, these mudras just started happening, right? And I was just like, okay, just go with it, whatever. It's fine. We- Say um, okay, bye. We, um, we open up, we close the ceremony, we roll up the mats, we start going into the temple and then they start gathering our groups. Now, by this time, I, I was well aware that I didn't wanna be part of the the Egyptologists you know, taking the tour of the temples because mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like, oh, and this is this, and then, and, and yeah. Here's where they did this, and here's where they did this, and that's great, it's fine. right? But I was on the Matthias tour, yep. right? Like we all just decided to be on the Matthias tour. And so I'm talking to Frida and Shadia, uh, the two loves of my life, and I'm saying, I'm gonna go find Matthias, you guys do what you want to do, but I, I feel called to five and tears. And like, so they're, you know, Soraya and Shadi are taking some pictures. Freed is kind of lingering here and there. And then I, I get drawn to um, Horace's falcon, this big statue. And then Josh Barber hands me these bird seeds as an offering. <clears throat> and I put my hand on the falcon, it's my like, uh, 15, 18 feet tall. And I remember I offer the bird seed like that. And I just went, Phew. the bird seed hits the statue, and then it comes back to my chest as if it was thrown back at me. And then that was it. And something happened where I kind of got tunnel vision. And it was like I was almost blacking out, but trying to hold on. Yeah. And I was like, "Wait, okay." And then I, so I just was like leaning on the statue. And here I was just like, "Okay, I'm not not really sure what's happening." Um, I, I was just trying to process what 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 just happened, and also this overwhelming feeling of of um, my lack of sovereignty as Makad.
0: It was it from from the outside, from my perspective, that was right there. It was. It was, you almost started to sweat a little bit and it was like you were almost fainting, you know? And it was this kind of like this this overwhelming rush of energy and you were trying to gather your bearings like... Can, is, does McAd need to come stand up in here and get get a hold of this situation,
1: or can you just completely let go into this new wave that was yeah, coming it, through it, you? It, and I think that was happening. Like time is whatever, but I think that maybe this was like thirty minutes after that. Because yeah. like what I, I went into the, this, is, this is what I, this is what I remember. I don't remember everything. I remember going into the temple. I remember finding two rooms that I knew I had been in before unmistakably I saw this stairwell and I walked up halfway across the stairwell and I knew that this wall had been put here later because there's something on the other side of it I knew that and then I came back down and then Frida's like Matias is over here someone said Matias is over here I don't remember who it was and so I go into this this room Matias is in and once again I get pushed to the left side of his uh uh you know his being and I kneel and I'm touching the wall, and as I'm touching the wall, the geometry starts coming in like your 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 listeners and your viewers will know what I'm talking about when I say that it's just it's it's the sacred geometry that happens during a psychedelic mm-hmm. experience it, it was like feeling um It was like being in a mushroom ceremony. Yeah, frankly. or a DMT ceremony. Not quite. It was. It was. It was. Because DMT sometimes everything goes away. Yeah. This was working with what you were actually. This this seeing. was very interactive and yeah. very sort of um, um, present in a way that it was. It felt because DMT is like this rocket ship where it sometimes it's not comforting. This was right. very comforting. This right. was very like accept this, accept this, accept what's happening to you. And Matias had told me about how he feels when he's channeling. And he says that he feels like he's falling and that he's just falling into this abyss. And, he, 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 you know, he can feel the physical space of his, of his body consciousness falling, but he's never hitting the ground. I didn't experience that. What I experienced was almost like a void that was put in front of me in between the constant observer and, and who I considered to be Macabre, right? And then at light speed, that void became infinite. And I was like, wait, where's that going? Where, where, where's that? What I'm supposed to be over there. I'm supposed to be way over there. <laughs> wait, I'm not in the forefront. What's happening? And then I realized I was kind of in the middle. Like I wasn't in the back. I was like mm-hmm. in the middle of this expansive void. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this is overwhelming. And I think that's when you started to see the sweating and like the whole, wait, hold on. What's happening here, right? And then Matthias puts his hand out, and he goes, "Horace." And that thing that drug me to the wall—it was just like—I was like, "How am I answering to that? <laughs> Who do I think I am, right?" <laughs> and then I grab his hand, and he and he grabs Frida's hand. And he says, "Freya," and she comes over, and it's like it, it's like I slid. Like I don't remember how I did it, but it was just like Vroom. like I like on a roller skates. Like Vroom. I'm holding Matthias's hand. He's talking about a prophecy from the gods of the, su- of the south and the goddess of the north. And <sighs> he, gets in, he gets into some 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 deep prophetic wisdom. And it struck me as very true on some levels and, and very scary on other levels. And, you know, my human mind was fighting for control of, of what was being said or what was being received i don't like people telling me what to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's got to be my idea because i got good ideas (laughs) um and unless it's the better best idea wins it's fine he walks away and then i remember being there with frida and embracing her and feeling like i needed to get out of that room i needed I felt like I needed physical help. So I walk out and I come back into the, the yeah, foyer, I don't know, this big, a bigger area of the temple where the pillars are. And then I started seeing the pillars. And I'm like, these pillars are familiar. I think this is where I was laughing in that vision. And I remember standing there and I just remember trying to talk to Matias and then Vailana comes over and starts holding me and telling me something, and I don't understand what she's saying. And then all of a sudden, everything goes And this is all black. And I, all I see is Vailana's face. And I think I fainted, mm-hmm. right? Like I- I, I Yeah, I, that was I, the moment I was talking about. Yeah. I definitely lost control yeah. of- my, my physical sovereignty, like I, I didn't have control. I, I wasn't strong enough to stand and it wasn't fatigue. It, it, I was on no medicines. I was simply unable to control my body at that time. And I, and I remember later Justin said, yeah, I had to grab your head because it almost hit the wall. Mm. I was like, was it like that? He's like, it was like that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. And then I remember I, I, I was on the ground and I was speaking in a different language.
0: And it was, <laughs> the language that was coming through was so potent and so regal and mm-hmm. so like ancient. And also like phonetically virtually impossible some of the things that you were saying the way that the vibrato of your voice was moving i i yeah I it's have no like idea. i don't i did i don't think the human voice can really do that intentionally <laughs> yes. in normal consciousness it was like what the
1: fuck later zach bell tried asked me to do it again and i couldn't i was like what well, but he's like what is i was like what is sound like he's like what well, was like you were it was like you were doing this nasal thing but the vibrato was like super fast and loud. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, I saw a video and I was like, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. Yeah. Um. And so I remember I was, I, I was holding, I thought it was you, but it was Justin. And I was saying something that was meant for, my human mind thought it was for you, but spiritually, I, I guess it was for him. Yeah. And then I thought I was holding Vianna, saying something to her. Sp- spiritually, was wasn't for her; it was for Frida. And then, as those, I, and I, I knew exactly what I was saying in this other language, and and it totally made sense for both of them, right? And then I remember my arm shot up, and I just stood up, like with like almost like this force. Pushed me up, yeah, like and I then was, you went to full
0: power. So that fainted macad went crazy. all of a sudden into a full
1: embodied, clear power, where I was like, "Yeah, you were, you were good." Whatever that was, yeah, like so, it was. I had no control over my body, but my body was full was in full power, yeah. And I went to the walls, and I started kissing the feet of these different gods and goddesses, and I knew who they were, and I was apologizing to some of them and i was angry at some of them and i was like why am i angry (laughs) like why am i apologizing what did i do what (laughs) and it was just like this this thing was happening and i was wiping things off and touching the hieroglyphs again and then i went into the other rooms and was was chanting and, and toning and singing to the walls once again and i went to i went up halfway where that stairwell was and i remember my body twisted doing something and i was this is how we used to open this part, but it was closed now. And I was, I was upset about that. And, and I remember somebody said to me, it was like, oh, this is beautiful. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And I just kept moving. I kept going to different rooms and different rooms. And then we get to this one room. <clears throat> and I remember searching for the, the crystal. Sorry, I'm just like my body got put into that space again. It's just I remember searching for the crystal and I remember whatever this channel channeling experience was their mind was like digging in my bag and goes you stupid humans in your fucking bags why like what are you what are these all these fucking bags you guys have and i was like offended (laughs) like there was a part of me that's like what do you mean and um i think i'm getting emotional because it's like it was as if i was experiencing its own frustration as my own and i was like it felt like a psychotic break in a way because like well this is not my frustration i love this bag. Yeah. I need this bag. But I really did feel, it used my own receptors to be frustrated about human beings using bags or something, right? And I was like, this is so, it feels so minute in, in the grand scheme of things, but it was like, experientially for me, it was, it was where I accepted that something else was in me. Yeah, and it was like, listen,
0: I'm used to wizard's cloaks that have (laughs) pouches where I know where everything is. We don't have bags, we wear all of our sacred objects.
1: Transmuting, you know, quantum uh, energy into what I need, right, from the ether, fine. But this bag, what is this shit? So I remember I couldn't get anything. So I think I just dumped the bag out or it just dumped the bag out. And I got the crystal and we're in this room where all these little holes are in the wall that are perfectly sized for this crystal. Yep. And I start putting it in the holes and like rubbing it and praying. And I called you over and you were doing the same. And I think you remember like, this is Mm -hmm. how this went, right? Mm -hmm. Like people would put these balls in these holes and you would pray. And then this transmission about water came through me. Um, And the, the part that I remember was about the fact that we're borrowing the water in our body from the sky. And we're borrowing the water in our body from the earth. And that it belongs to the sky and it belongs to the earth. And because we are able to hold that water, we are the sentient receptors between the earth and the heavens. And that it's all sacred, all the water is sacred. And so we're sacred beings because of the water. Mm. And I remember, I remember that part distinctly. We moved on to different rooms. Every room we went into from that point on had a hole where that ball fit in. And I, I came out of another room that Matias t- told me to go into and I dropped the ball and then I c- it's like, I couldn't hold on to it. It's like vibrating and moving. So I would drop it and it w- rolled over to this other guy, Carl, and, um, I was like, part of my, part of my human mind, my ego was like, why didn't it go to one of my friends? <laughs> I was like, oh well, guys, Carl's a new friend. And I, and I was like, and he starts to walk over. I was like, no, grab that. He grabs it. Now I didn't see a hole in the wall prior to this. then I go, where's you going to put that? <laughs> I look over, there it is. He goes and does it. And I have my hand on his back and he's channeling, I'm chanting. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. And He leaves the ball there. I take it back out. Matias calls us over. We go to the back of the temple, this huge hieroglyphic wall. Matias walks us over to this hieroglyph that's about the primordial waters raining down on the machine of consciousness to make it work. I'm like, I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but I do remember that's the hieroglyph he pointed us to. And there was a hole in the wall, very big hole, big big enough to get a small hand in. And he put the ball there or he showed me that's where the ball went and I put it there and I did some more prayers. Called you over, you did the same. And then as we're dispersing, Matthias um, started walking away. And I remember feeling whoever he was channeling was frustrated with me because Makad was trying to get the driver's seat back. Like he was trying so hard to remove that void and be like, I need control of what's happening right now. How long am I going to give you my fucking body? Mm. How long am I gonna give you my sovereignty? Right? I feel crazy. I feel ridiculous. I'm embarrassed. This is what's happening. I didn't come here for this shit. Like this, all this is happening, right? Rather than then you know it, being in the experience of it fully at that moment, I was trying to pull myself out, and and, and I, I regret that. So I, I grab the ball again. So I think it's part of my own consciousness and my own ego, and I go into the holy of holies, and then I see my best friend sitting on the throne where you belong. Hmm. Uh, violin is singing to you, and I'm sitting right across on this. Um, they have this like, I don't know what it's called, but like there's a chariot that the humans hold. Right? Yeah, like a, like a human litter of some sort. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Rolls Royce of their day, for yeah. sure. And I'm sitting on the edge of that and I'm watching this whole thing happen, holding space. And I have the ball in my hands, the crystal in my hands. And it's <laughs> it's looking at me, right? Going, put me back, I wanna go home. And I'm like, oh, fuck. that's this is where you belong. So I get up and I go back to the wall, and I put it into this this semicircle within the hieroglyphs that are about the, the primordial waters coming down to uh, make the machine of consciousness work. And I stick it as far in that hole as I possibly can. I blow it; all this dust comes out. I'm like, oh, my Indiana Jones over there, <laughs> 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 and. Um, i remember feeling this sort of completion of this ayahuasca vision of being in ancient egypt handing that ball over to somebody else thousands of years later getting that ball back in ojai and then bringing it back to the temple of edfu where where i know i handed it over the first time and um just the idea that we're sitting here today in montana knowing that a piece of my life and a piece of my devotion and intention is now in the wall at the temple of Edfu, where it belongs. I'm not saying that this is the water it needed to make the the machine of consciousness work, but somehow I was meant to bring that back there, right? Right. And only a child's hand or a a woman's hand perhaps can get in there and get that ball because I, sure it went back into the into the edifice for sure and um there's something really special about leaving a piece of your devotion there Mm -hmm. you know and um so if any of your viewers go to edfu go to the back wall look for the hieroglyph in the center of the back wall that has these primordial waters bordering the hieroglyphs and you'll see a you know, semi-circle kind of a half moon hole in the wall. If you look in there, you'll see condensed water from the <laughs> I truly believe that. Yeah. So
0: there's and that. This,
1: <laughs> this, and this is why we said Egypt Fox. Egypt Fox. So, you know, listen, like, I, I, I know how ridiculous... This, this will sound to the uninitiated, I get it. I know how people are this motherfucker's crazy. Yeah. God well, Brooks is crazy. Um, I felt very self-conscious after. I felt I went and hid in my cabin half the day after. Like I needed to drink a lot of water and I needed to rest. I needed to process everything that happened. But I also felt like, did I have a psychotic break? what the fuck just happened to me for six hours or four hours in that temple has never happened to me mm. in my life. Like I've had moments in ayahuasca ceremonies and, and, and psilocybin ceremonies where I've, it may at the peak of a DMT ceremony where you're channeling something or a spirit comes in. Got it, understood. But you know it's about to happen or you know it could happen right. because of the decisions that you've made to get yourself in a position to uh, to open in that way, to show up and just do yoga (laughs) and walk into a temple and then have your body overtaken by the amalgamation of of so much ka and devotion and intention for thousands of years that that, that coalesces into a being, perhaps. And then it comes into you It's a different level Mm -hmm. and I, it's not lost on me how this sounds. It's not lost on me that I'd spent a day and a half thinking I had a psychotic break maybe. And should I worry about that? Should I be concerned? And then as the week progressed, the answer was no. It was like, no, bro, you're fine. You didn't have a psychotic break. You still, You still, you know who you are you you know what you love you know what's important there's no there's no collision of 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 ideas coming from from there's, there's 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 no neurodivergence happening that's that that hasn't happened before so no you're you're fine this really fucking happened to you or you participated in this process and i'm still integrating that experience and it's it's still very um tender for me yeah like, of course of course like i, I was mad if it's <laughs> yeah i was like dude what'd you do he's yeah. like i didn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> and and and
0: this is this is like another overwhelming theme for me it was like oh i wasn't ready i thought yeah. egypt was gonna be right. we're gonna be looking at some cool shit yeah but then when the energy got that real that fucking real You know, and and there's little micro, there's micro moments that I can share from the temple of Horus and the Mm -hmm. temple of things for me, but to just keep this moving along the initiatic path, because I had a, my big moments came at some of the later temples, Mm -hmm. but this feeling of the energy being palpable in a way that I've never felt before, because I've never done, never experienced a place that held that kind of energy. Now a Maloka holds a certain amount of energy, but it's maybe 20 years old maximum. Yeah. It's had some ceremonies, right. my own ceremony room in my house in yeah. Austin, you know, 10 years of journeys that have been yeah. in there. And so there's some resonance and you can feel it and it feels like good energy, but this is a whole different ball game. Thousands of years. Yeah. Thousands
1: of years of devotion and car. Yeah. Thousands.
0: So we went, so the next one was, I'm gonna, we're gonna go to the next one. I'm gonna take a little break after that and uh, and, hydrate a little myself before i tell tell my story that's real vulnerable (laughs) but we're going to get through karnak first and so karnak was interesting because there's a lot this is the temple of sekhmet Mm -hmm. and there was like kind of a lot of like expectation built up but also Matthias was like the guards at sekhmet are are like really fastidious they're, 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 and like they're, they're, they're really, really overbearing yeah it's crazy they're it's all over so much, so they much. they really like prevented us from actually accessing right. most of the sacredness of the temple of karnak which is a gorgeous i mean it's like gorgeous, a city. gorgeous it's a city it's a city
1: it's beautiful
0: but he did something really interesting which was he called us all together and he said you know, your hearts are not aligned. And if you go into the great pyramid with your hearts not being aligned and without with this dissonance in the field, mm-hmm. then it's going to be very difficult for you. Mm-hmm. So he called us all together to the altar and he expressed that we needed to clear any of that. Mm-hmm. And so we just put our hands on the, on the altar and, you know, I started it off and it was like, Hey, I'm Aubrey. And, Here I am and in my brokenness and in my holiness. And I expressed my brokenness and I expressed my holiness and the truth to the best that I could. And everybody went around and did the same thing. And it was a kind of a coming together of our our little clan, our circle within the larger circle of the whole community. So it ended up being a beautiful experience, but I don't think for any of us, the Karnak Temple really, really slapped right and i think it was because of the field that was created mm-hmm. by the guards like the guards wouldn't wouldn't
1: really let us get into the magic of that 100%. place no no i i think i think they are I, I think it's a consorted effort to to withhold that from people yeah there, for sure yeah i it feels that so. way
0: yeah and of course you know this is been the story of empire from the start you find the holy and the sacred and you tear it down or prevent access to it whether that's a sacrament or medicine you make it illegal Mm -hmm. or whether it's a temple where you won't allow someone to sing we experienced this in greece Mm -hmm. you can't sing you can't chant you can't tone you can't meditate like if if they catch you meditating they're
2: like
0: really yeah like hey and, you know, and so there's this there's this so this energy increase. of like, no, 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 like none of this shit. None you of this old can, ancient way shit. Yeah, you can no. just look at it. You yeah. can look at it and you can take some pictures for Instagram. You can commodify it. You can pay us our money right. so that you get to pay the pay the toll booth. But don't use the technology. But don't use the technology right. because the temp- technology is anti-empire. The technology is mm-hmm. about self-empowerment. It's about right. the realization of ourselves right. as multidimensional beings, as our birthright, right. that we're able to tap into all of these energies. And it's actually mm-hmm. democratized. It's not that a certain specific class of Brahmins get to only access this. No, this is available. Mm. And, and that democratization of spiritual power and sovereignty Mm. and autonomy is the antithesis of what empire wants, which is good little factory workers that are going to contribute to the commodification of all the world. Right. Right. And, and so this is this is the energy that surrounds all of these sacred places. But we were blessed in that we had <clears throat> interlocutors and and local Egyptians that were able to work within the system and give us yeah. pretty unprecedented access it's to most places. Unbelievable, what they, were, <clears throat> what they were able to
1: accomplish with that. Yeah. yeah, really, really, really special. Karnak was was a bit of a um, disappointment in that regard mm-hmm. um, because I felt like. There was so much to see there, but you were corralled into certain spaces at certain times. And it just felt, with the square footage, with the hectares that Karnak encompassed, it should have never felt crowded. Yeah. But it always felt crowded because we were being corralled into certain places at certain times. And it's just like, it was a lot. And I look forward to going back there under different circumstances.
0: Yeah, for sure. I had
1: an interesting moment in Karnak, which I shared
0: actually in my, in my right.
1: speech right. Really yesterday
0: where there was a you know there was a, a a guy who was in the group mm-hmm. and he comes up to me and I'm just kind of doing my thing and we're doing our thing with Matias and I shared a talk and just kind of being myself. Ilana's singing to the pillars. He mm-hmm. comes up and he's like, I'm super triggered by you. I'm like, whoa, like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and he starts going in and he's like, I just think you need to be careful of your ego and, and how you're wielding this power. And my, I'm like, just listen and listen. He's like, I'm really charged right now. And I'm just listening, listen. And like I say, yeah, I received man. Mm-hmm. And I go, my name's Aubrey. <laughs> and I just, and I just go, and he goes, oh, and then he introduced himself
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we gave, I gave him a hug, mm-hmm. but it was an interesting place for like, Lots of things were being magnified. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was that was a it was a a moment where it was like all the projections of of what you think about somebody. Then I just had in that moment just the wisdom to collapse it by saying, like, Mm -hmm. whatever you might think, like, hey man, like my name's Aubrey. Mm -hmm. And I'm just figuring shit out here. Yeah, just just like you, bro. Yeah, just like you, man. And a lot different than you. And uh so that was like that was an interesting moment that happened there. But it was uh it was it was one of those things where it feels like, you know, if we can go back and and actually kind of clear some space somehow. Yeah, I think there's more potential there. I think we can.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that feels like a place where some real magic was happening why and it's likely the reason that they're so guarded
0: yeah exactly right? like, it, like they, you can it's... almost tell the the sacredness by how much clustered armor mm-hmm. is protected around mm-hmm. it and how much restriction mm-hmm. is like you can yeah. tell where the magic is by they're, they're, by they're, the taboos they're, they're, they're giving it away
1: like you're not doing a good job of yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> like, like nothing no chanting like yeah. why yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a secret yeah. here So we talking about your shit now?
0: Oh man! (laughs) All right. So now your turn. (laughs) Yeah. So now, now I got to tell the story of Dendra, Mm -hmm. and the story of Dendra is the story of the temple of Hathor,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and the story of the temple of Hathor. Now I don't have like a particularly strong connection with Hathor, but Vailana does, Mm -hmm. right? Like her sound healing is traced the way that she learned, is right. traced back That's to Hathor's lineage. Yeah. yeah, to the Hathor lineage. So it was a very special place for her, but I went in with very low expectations of what this was gonna be. It was another temple on the initiatic path. I was feeling the energies, the energies were coming in. I was having my experiences. So we go in and again, I'm on my same kind of light dose, little, can, little cannabis pen, a little bit of you know, prescribed ketamine and a dissolvable troche, and I'm just kind of cruising through. And at the start, we had some really incredible Egyptian priestesses who would do like opening mm. invocations before Beautiful. the archaeologists would yeah, go and try and do the thing, and we would split off with Matthias.
1: Right.
0: In this particular one, they handed us a feather. Right. And they handed us a white feather. Right. And the intention of the white feather was to take the white feather and to express something that was on your heart mm-hmm. to somebody else to actually create more likeness in your heart mm-hmm. well i was in a position where i felt like i didn't really have anything i needed to share with anybody so i just started to use the feather i was like i'm just going to use this feather to cleanse my heart mm-hmm. to make my heart as light as a feather mm-hmm. right and and there's old stories about weighing, weighing your heart, and weighing that the heart be as light as a feather. So to, I was, to, to to get into the afterlife, to get into the afterlife, Egypt your heart Egypt needs to be yeah. as light as a feather. Right. So I'm just cleaning and cleaning, and just kind of working with this feather on my own heart. And we start cruising through, cruising through, and Matthias then brings us into the this very interesting hallway. It was like a kind of very narrow place, hieroglyphs on all the walls. And Vailana comes in there with her sound bowl, her Tibetan sound bowl. And she's, I mean, she's on fire this whole trip, right? Like she's like singing the most unbelievably beautiful sounds and doing her thing. And Matthias is in there and they're toning and singing. And I start to get this energy starts to move through me where I, I can feel and see something that I've never felt before. And it's this awakening of my heart. Mm -hmm. And what I saw in my heart, I saw my heart like an orb. And my heart was this orb and it was the center of my centers. That's a word that is a phrase that you use, like the center of my centers, Mm -hmm. my Atman, Mm -hmm. which is my monad, which is my divine source point. Mm -hmm. And I saw it as an orb. And then what I could see was all of the personality structures that I have and all of actually the neuroses that I have. yeah. All of the little ways that I act in a way that's like reaching. And I saw it like almost like static electricity on like a Tesla coil. Mm -hmm. Imagine like a Tesla Mm -hmm. coil shooting out little lightning bolts. And it was searching all of these different things were searching to connect to another point of love right it was like love coming from the source point the monad that initial sphere of who we really are love at its core Mm -hmm. light as a feather and feeling my heart Mm -hmm. in this like quartzite like light orb and then all of my personality affects the places where i get sad the places where i get angry the places where i get scared the places where i get a little obsessive or neurotic all of these things just reaching out and creating the totality of my humanness Mm. Which is all of the the grandeur and all of the all of the kind of frailty right. of the thing and just yeah. reaching out from this orb and then there's this other orb that I saw that was around it, so it was like a core inside another giant orb mm. and that other giant orb I recognized through this like extra dimensional intelligence, oh that's. The, all that is, that's if, if that little orb inside my heart was Atman, that was Brahman. That was an Atman is Brahman, right? There's a, there's a correlation between these. They're different, but also the same because the outer orb was also lined with love. And that's from the Hebrew mystic tradition as well. That Mark Gaffney has shared is that the insides are lined with love. Mm. So I found my source point was a source point of love. And then I had all this static electricity. And then I saw the outer the outer Brahma and the all that is, which were the insides were lined with love. And I could see that that was not only in my heart, that was in everybody's heart. Right. That every single person had the Atman, had the source point, had the point of love, the orb of love in their own heart. Mm. And every single mm. thing they're doing, mm. every petty jealousy, every laugh, everything was just reaching to try and connect to the all that is, the outer Brahman. Mm. And it gave me this, for the first time in my life, the feeling of unconditional love. Mm. Because when I recognized that all of us were the Atman, the monad, the source, And all we were doing, no matter what it was, no matter, even if it was vile, what Mm -hmm. we were doing, there was some way in which that static electricity was reaching from that, trying to make it to touch the outer wall of love so that Mm -hmm. love connected to love. But it would get lost in the distortion and in the prism and in the fogs. And sometimes it would find dead ends. And sometimes... The darker forces, the upside down world would pull the energy down into a place where actually it couldn't find its way out, back, love, finding love, it would get stuck.
2: Mm.
0: But I could see that no matter what anybody was doing, it was all just their own source love reaching to find the greater universal love. And sometimes just finding itself getting in cul-de-sacs and dead ends and and getting frazzled in certain spots. But I recognize that we're all on this same journey, myself and everybody as like the center, the center of our center, reaching through all of our personality affects to try and find the safety, the love of everything else. Mm. And it was the first time in my life where I could look, you know, with my own vision and, And see the entirety of every human being and say, like, ah, Tatva Masi, like, I am that too. Like, you and me, you or me live in a different life. Your orb is the same as my orb. And we just have different patterns of static that are reaching. And then I made an interesting move. I said, all right, well, what if through my own? observation and quantum realization, like the observer effect. What if I observe that all of my affects, all of these things that are reaching, that feel a little tender, that feel a little vulnerable, that wants a little love in this situation, that wants a word of affirmation, all of this. What if I just create an invisible thread of energy that connects all of these end points of my static electricity and connects them to the brahman connects them to the universal love mm. <clears throat> and through a visualization practice i saw the entirety of myself and then i visualized a thread that connected everything to the outer brahman to the outer mm. orb of mm. love mm. and that visualization then became, started to pulse mm. and started to become real And I started to feel like, oh my God. We use the word unconditional love, but like I never really felt unconditional love. No. I felt ecstatic love. Sure. You do a bufo ceremony, right? It's like ecstatic love. Sure. Oh, love. Love. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, you're just blown. That's ecstatic love. 100%. But there's not enough awareness for it to be unconditional. And it's, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable either. So it's ecstatic. It's ecstatic. Yeah. So there's many different expressions of love. There's erotic love. There's all kinds of different, but unconditional love, this was the first time that I touched it. Mm. And I felt it because all I saw was love and the static electricity reaching and sometimes getting pulled in dark places, mm-hmm. but knew that all it was, was reaching to find the outer love. Mm. And then in my own self, then I just connected all of those threads to the outer sphere. Mm. So that happened in that little hallway. And then there was another Holy of Holies where I was holding space as, as Matthias and by Lana and the goddesses were doing this ritual and I was just uh, in meditation, like holding this space of unconditional love and protecting the energy so that they could do what they were doing there. And mm-hmm. there was a few moments, but then we climbed down from this. That was kind of like you had to get on a ladder to get to that place. Mm-hmm. We move on down and we go into this particular part of the temple of Hathor, which Matthias is guiding. Mm-hmm. And Matthias then grabs me and Vailana and puts us in the center of a circle of people. And there was six so it's people. A bigger room, right? It's a bigger room. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a much bigger room. Yeah. And so me and Vailana, yeah. Yeah, sacred union, yeah. masculine and feminine, mm-hmm. you know, and we're there in the center. And then he grabs three men and three women. You were one of those men. Frito is one of those women. And he starts to direct the people to start toning in a particular tone right, and right. then rotating mm-hmm. in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps hearing this again. And I was there. Right? So I'm already in this experience of visualizing and feeling this unconditionality of love and understanding it somatically. and Then this Stargate technology, literally like that old show, Stargate, where like things are like twisting and moving, but it was three people and three people, Mm -hmm. three men, three women, and then me and Vi in the center. And the most powerful activation of my whole fucking life happens then. And I didn't take any
1: more medicine. I had a little bit of medicine. Wait, sorry, say that again. Yeah. The most powerful activation of you, the psychonaut (laughs) of our generation. (laughs) Yeah. Our Timothy Leary. (laughs) You're telling me that the most powerful activation that you've had in your life, because I know your life. Yeah. Was in that temple. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. You're in for a treat. (laughs) Let's go oh man sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i just, no, I just I wanted mean, to make sure that you chose those words correctly and then yeah. i heard that correctly okay
0: and the interesting thing is is a lot of times you try to correlate like the gravity of your experience with the quantity of the mm, substance mm,
2: mm-hmm,
0: right mm-hmm, you know like mm-hmm, oh well mm-hmm. if you do if you do 1.3 of the bufo well, yeah. uh, and you're gonna blast I do off four of cups more, eye, i have four cups i you know, know. Yeah. This was this was like this was two hours after I'd done a little bit of medicine. So I'm not saying like so I was open, but the most powerful psychonautic experience of my whole life happens in that technology. And I start shaking. Yeah. And this emergence from my heart, my heart just fully opens that energy center, that chakra, you know, what we call our heart after i kind of understood and felt the nature of unconditional love, all of the pieces of my Atman, all of the energy, all of the energy, instead of me imagining an invisible thread of energy, connecting all of those threads of my personality, mm-hmm. they all just plugged right in. Atman plugged into Brahman plugged right in and started pulsing back and forth pulsing 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 and the people were spinning and the tones were happening pulsing pulsing and this is happening in my heart center and then atman is brahman it became one became one it pulsed, pulse pulse faster 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 and then it just goes and it hits where atman became brahman and the love that i held inside was the same as the love of the entire cosmos. Mm. And I was one of the love of the universe mm. as me in my own body. Mm. And in that, and it was only possible because of the, because of Vailana being right there in front of me, because she was there, she was singing, because of all of you rotating around, because Matthias opening the portal, and Matthias, you know, whispering, whispering words from my lineage, you know, like son of Judah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and like evoking this. And for me to feel my heart open to that level is something that even when I'm telling this story now, it seems like a dream. Mm-hmm. It seems like, did I dream that or was that really real? I know the feeling. Did that really happen because it it's so hard to actually weave that into and integrate that into life the place
1: where my heart merged with the heart of I mean, the whole universe just, yeah and, and I mean I was there and I felt I felt the resonance and the frequency coming off of you and it just felt like pure love and if you notice what Matthias did was he had the three the, the three divine feminine energy and the three divine masculine energy holding hands were spinning around you. Whenever somebody else came in, he goes, No, outside of the circle and go around them. He was creating the six pointed
0: star, the Merkaba. Right. He was creating this like geometrical technology and
1: a cell. Yeah. The nucleus, the electrons, the protons. yep, Right. And the orbit that they have. He was recreating that, which is incredible. And I think also what, pop, what, what, what is present for me when you're telling this story is the difference between the eye of Horus and the eye of Ra. Mm. The eye of Horus is the, inter- the center of the center. Yep, It is the, the, the light, it is the exploration of the light that uh, doesn't have a visual spectrum that's inside of you, which comes from source and emanates outward. That's the Ra. That's, that's is it the Ra or the The, the horse? Ra, the Ra is the sun, right? But but so the horse, but the horse is the interior third eye, third eye, right? Right. So it's it's. But I guess what I'm saying is the Atman feels like Horus, mm. and the Brahma feels like Ra. Yeah, yeah That's And funny. in their language, and I I had a similar experience as well with with embodying what happened in, in Edfu, where I but I saw them as eyes. Yep. And me being in the center of that void was the eye of Horus and that void that expanse was the eye of Ra. Yeah. Right. And, and it didn't feel, once again, it didn't feel, Matthias explained, explained void to us uh, on the boat. It is everything, the entire singularity, all possibilities condensed into one point. Yeah. And that's what that expanse felt like. Right. And, and I think it's important to, to, Make the distinction that we all have that inside of us. Every single one one of us. us And that's and that's
0: the the most important message to share from this. Is Mm -hmm. it's not that there's special Makad and special Aubrey. Who only had access? There's technology available for mm-hmm. us to recognize our own Atman and Brahman relationship, mm-hmm. our own Eye of Ra, Eye of Horus relationship. Mm-hmm. All of these technologies are encoded mm-hmm. in the ancient temples, in the ancient ways. And this, this was the technology of Atlantis. We think of, when we think of like the Atlantean civilization, pre-diluvian before the flood we imagine that they were like fucking cruising around on spaceships and shit and when you talk to Matthias, who remembers his past lives he's like no man we were riding around on donkeys yeah <laughs> but our
1: spiritual technology was insane was dialed right like you guys have the internet we connected with each other through that same field of frequency but just with ourselves right and And, they, and they, listen, I mean, I'm not going to take away the fact that there is something special about you and me and the fact that we have done so much work in this realm that we get the fuck out of the way faster than a lot of people would. but it is available to everybody. It's available as long as they have the the the, the presence to get the fuck out of their own way. yep, right. And it's and, within all of us. yeah, release that social conditioning of is this weird? Is this wrong? is this is this witchcraft? what is this? Right, just don't, don't try to understand what it is. It's the universe explaining itself to you through you. Yeah. And you're not gonna, have, your, your conscious mind is not gonna be able to wrap that up into a pretty bow.
0: No. No. So I have this, so I have this moment, and, and this is, you know, I'm, you know, I read a lot of Paul Selig and he talks about the awakening of the Christ and the mm. difference of the awakening of the Christ versus Jesus. Mm. Now, when people come up and like, ah, you know, I'm Jesus, I'm like, watch the fuck out. I'm like, you mean Jesus? <laughs> like, like, watch out. Oh, you are you from Mexico? Because that's a pretty common name there. <laughs> like, watch out. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's a different thing. That's a declaration yeah. of being different and separate. And that's right. not what the teaching meant. The teaching no, was to awaken the Christ within, within. all of us. Yeah. The Christ that's available to every single person. Mm-hmm. It was really the democratization of love embodied, and God embodied, that was the true teaching. Mm -hmm. And I got to have just a taste of Mm -hmm. what that was like Mm -hmm. in that temple. Mm -hmm. And it was fucking mind blowing. And and it was, it's something that if I don't continue to tell the story, I would just kind of shuffle it away into like a a corridor of my consciousness, because it's so big and so unbelievable that it's hard to weave into the story thread of my own life.
1: I, 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 I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and there's something kind of interesting about that, the, the term Christ consciousness and, and Messiah that throws people off because Christ just means Messiah. But here's the thing. Who are you the Messiah for? Yourself. And that is something that we can all wrap our heads around. Is like, I can save myself. I can be the person that, Dies for my own sins. I can be the person that pulls myself up out of this this abyss of 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 um, you know um, being locked in a prison of my own space time of like something that I've created myself, right? So I can I can be my own savior and pulling myself out of that. And I think people have to start seeing it that way mm-hmm. that you can be the your own personal fucking Messiah. Yeah, right. That doesn't mean your you need to start teaching me shit. Personal Messiah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and break the word word out. Me, see, ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh. me see, ah, me, ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? It was, it was uh, and
0: so after that experience, I, the, it was really actually perfect because mm-hmm. after the experience, I'm having this experience and people could kind of feel that something happened, but the experience was happening internally in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had to kind of move on to the temple. Yeah. And. They were like, the police is taking pictures. Yeah. And there, <laughs> and there was, we like, were like moving we're just on. Humming. Yeah. And it was very interesting. Cause it was like, I could see the, the smallest part of my ego go like, there should be a fucking band playing when this happens, you know, like there should be a celebration. And all it was, was like, Hey man, can I have some water? Or like, Oh, I need a couple fucking Egyptian dollars to go buy a, you know kit kat or whatever it was (laughs) and it was like oh yeah right back right back to regular life right 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 back to regular life and it was just this beautiful thing of like yeah you can have this big moment Mm -hmm. and then nobody needs to make a fanfare about it nobody Mm -hmm. needs to do anything just this is something That I got to experience, and Uh, then I got to share some water, and I got to share
1: some chocolate,
0: and I just just kind of move right on through with life.
1: I think that's likely the best way to integrate it, you know, because it, it is this big, overwhelming moment in many ways. When you feel something like that, you can't unfeel it. Yeah, and so what's the best thing to do after that? Just kind of get back into your structure to understand that that wasn't a psychotic break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to understand that this really did happen because here I am back in reality. Okay, I'm, nothing's really changed. I can return the text that I meant to four hours ago. Right. like So I'm back. So that really did happen because now it's being juxtaposed. That feeling, that energy, that experience is being juxtaposed with the monotony of my normal life of wanting some water and a Kit Kat. Yeah. If, if a band played after, it, it, you get you get yourself checked out. <laughs> <laughs> be weird. <laughs> you guys hear the trumpets? <laughs> no, we don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that was this is it was just this kind of like beautiful moment of having such a big experience, but mm. then just knowing that and it made it it made it like this is a part of the story of the new humanity mm. and the new world that's coming online where it's not just one person that does this. It's all of us start mm-hmm. to activate our monad. All of us mm-hmm. start to activate our Christ itself. All of us start to activate our Atman. Whatever the name is, it doesn't Whatever matter. It yeah. Like yeah. It's,
1: it's the full opening of the heart. And Matias puts it in a really beautiful way. And I felt this as some of these experiences were happening to you and me and, and Frida, Shadia, uh, everybody, Vailana had incredible experiences. It's the remembering, right? And to break that word up again, it's, it's to put back together, to remember the parts of yourself that we lost in this um, avarice driven, you know, social context in, in which we, we, we experience our lives, right? So it's like putting back together our connection with the Atman, putting back our, our connection with the eye of Horus, the eye of Ra, the Brahma, that is something that feels so fucking familiar like it truly is remembering right and, and in every sense of the word and
0: to remember like the members mm-hmm. it's just just it's a putting back together it's, it's a putting back together of who we are as spiritual beings which has been broken and severed intentionally yeah and mm-hmm. this is this is also another thread that we got to recognize is like these the the spiritual continuity mm-hmm. has been intentionally
1: severed. Correct. Intentionally severed. Intentionally severed so that they can Frankenstein other energetic aspects onto our beings, right? So like we have these sort of body conscious uh, uh, um, connect, connections of, of electromagnetic energy that are really connected to our Atman or connected to our Rama. And they go, let's replace that with retail therapy. <laughs> Let's replace that with you feeling out of control of your environment in some way, right? And so the severing was there, but it's, what did they put in place of that? Because we're still searching. And it's like you said, it's the in between that Atman and that Brahma, there's love is trying to find love and it's getting lost. But it, it, it got detoured purposefully to, to, to hold up the empire. So it's just, when, when you when you finally see it, you go, what am I doing? What are we doing? We can do this better. Yeah. And it's just remembering. That's it. Yeah.
0: And, and this is, this is what all of the witch hunts and all of the, you know, empire as capital R religion empire as corporate, you know, corporatocracy that we're experiencing now, it's all the same force, but it's, the denial of our own personal power and our own sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And because as sovereign, alive, awake, vibrant agents of the divine, Mm -hmm. we're not gonna fall into these pyramid scheme patterns Mm -hmm. of power and control. We're all gonna realize that we're all participating in this universality of consciousness, the one mind, as the Kabbalion would say, mm-hmm. or the one ero- cosmo-erotic universe, mm-hmm. as Mark Gaffney would say, mm-hmm. is like we're all participating in this thing, mm-hmm. but empire will try to trick us and make us a little cog in a machine, an expendable cog, so a trigger for some bullets or a finger that pushes the button, that drops a bomb, that fuels mm-hmm. and powers the war empire, that. The war machine that goes and all of this, all of this crazy shit that's been there. And then all the inter the intermediaries that say, you can't talk to God. You talk to us, we'll talk to God for you. This mm-hmm. whole priest class, and then mm-hmm. all the tithing to build all of these. It's this whole power game. But really, the whole power game crumbles when you recognize that everybody has the power to connect with their own divinity, right. with their
1: own royalty, with their own. With their own beauty. Their divine inheritance from the universe. Exactly. It's their birthright. Right. And, and we have the society that's commodified fear. And you can't sell people things who don't need them when they have so much already within them. And um, it's, the change is coming. You can feel it. And I think Egypt is a big part of that. You know, a, 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 a culture that was built, according to Matthias, as a culture that was there to uplift human beings into their divinity. I feel like that presence and that awareness and that intention is still in that land. Yeah, there's, there's obviously
0: yeah. deep codes that go there. Yeah, and we're not to the end of this journey in Egypt either. No, no, Because no. there's some more spots. So let's go, <laughs> yeah. let's go to the let's next stop. Next stop along this path on this magical bus ride, a boat ride, actually. hmm <clears throat> the osirian temple and the osirian temple was really interesting because the osirian
1: temple had hieroglyphs of aliens spaceships Spaceships. i got video i'm like that's a spaceship that's a helicopter or at least it looks like a helicopter does today so what what else was that that's
0: that's i mean and and also you know mushrooms
1: on all that, uh, unmistakably. Unmistakably. Unless there's like some really weird dicks. <laughs> it's either really weird dicks, a lot. They were obsessed with really weird dicks or mushrooms, one of the mm-hmm. two. You know? I'm going to go with mushrooms. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with mushrooms It's too. safe
0: to say. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty uh, safe, you know, it's safe to
1: say. Some, some strange dicks, yeah.
0: So we're in the Osirian temple. We go all the way down to the ancient part of that temple. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of these temples were rebuilt you know, around, you know, in the Roman times and, but the Osirian temple had old, old places, mm. old places with old waters mm-hmm. and old, mm-hmm. old caverns. And we went down and it took a little while. The guards were holding the gate cause they didn't want to let us down there. And yep. probably some people had to get bribed and whatever who, who, had who to, what whatever had to happen. Who but at happened. a certain point, the the rope was lifted.
1: Yep. And we just—it was—it was really amazing. I don't—I don't want to come over that. We stood outside in the blazing Egyptian desert heat for like thirty minutes, just holding our space, knowing that we would get in, and we did. Which, which in and of itself was—I I thought was really beautiful and worth mentioning. Yeah,
0: yeah. We we knew that we had to go there. Yeah. We knew that there was something that was going to be activated when we went there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we just trusted that with our intention that they would let us into
1: this place that it looked like they had no intention of letting to us keep in. out you know closed it said the whole thing and we just stood at the rope like like we were at a a vip event in miami back in the 90s like yeah, was, yeah exactly
0: uh, so we go in there we go down 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 into the holy of holies. and interestingly Matthias calls for a particular one of the Egyptian priestesses whose name was Shekinah, which I thought was also yeah. wildly synchronistic because mm-hmm. I've been in a deep study with Mark Gaffney involving Shekinah, mm. you know, the embodiment of Eros itself, like the Tao of Eros, you know, the the structure of the cosmoerotic universe. Mm. And Matthias and Shekinah start. Channeling different things mm-hmm. in that, and one of the things they said was, "There's going to be a ship that's going to arrive." You remember that? They're like, "There's going to be a ship, and this ship is coming from Anubis. Anubis mm-hmm. has a ship."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was, and I heard that, and again, same light dose ketamine cannabis. This so is in the structure underneath. In the, in in the, the, the structure thots, underneath,
1: the Thoth built. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. And it's like, all right, a ship. And then all of a sudden, fucking spaceship just comes straight, straight into my vision space. Mm. Like, what the fuck? You no, know, so Shekinah the Egyptian priest says it's gonna be there's a ship. And then I was like, holy shit. As a ship, you were right. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and there's that. There, there's that. And then on the ship, you're going to receive a gift. Uh-huh. And receive a gift. <laughs> oh, man. What was, the, what was the gift that you got? And then I'll tell the, I'll tell no, the
1: no, gift. No, no, right? you, listen, you can't do detours so, so like so the,
0: <laughs> So <laughs> you're going to receive a gift. And then my left hand gets fiery hot Mm. fiery hot Mm. like the heat of the sun Mm. and my right hand is ice cold icy cold like steel like cold steel Mm -hmm. and i was like what the fuck is happening because literally to the touch you know i have enough awareness there even though the energy is so strong like I know that somatically, like if you put a, one of those little, you know, infrared thermometers like they used to do for COVID checks, you know, and you put yep. one on my left hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that shit would be like 115. And you put one on my right hand and it'd be like 46. 60, yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it'd be like fucking cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, whoa. And it was showing me, it was like, always, always with the left hand, love just the love of the sun. Mm -hmm. It was the same activation from the temple of Mm Dendera, right? It's like just love, like unconditional love, giving and receiving, unconditional love. And then in the right hand, the steel, the cold steel Mm -hmm. was discretion, discernment, Mm -hmm. how to cut, chisel, shape, Mm -hmm. reality, Mm -hmm. so that it actually serves us As beings that are made of molecules and atoms. Mm. And so it was the combination of both. So the gift that that ship came and gave was in your left hand, you hold unconditional love, the love of the sun, the love of Ra, the love, this love. And in your right hand, you hold discretion, discernment, vision, the ability to actually shape reality. But that wasn't even the final activation of that. That was like, that was building up. And then some more toning happens, more chanting happened. And then all of a sudden, my whole consciousness just becomes one eye, mm. one giant eye. And what I could see as that eye is I could see that anything that I saw with my imagination, I could build into reality. So it was like the eye. It was like the eye mm. of the creator. Like I could see it into reality. I see it and believe it and manifest it into reality. Mm. And it wasn't. And it and it wasn't like I was doing any particularly important mission. Right. You know, I was just like, holy shit. This is available for you. This is available. Like yeah. what we see, and then power. Like. First is the sight, you see it. Right. And then when you see it, you believe it. Right. And then with your belief, and then it manifests out of the quantum. You can materialize it out of no thingness. Out of no thingness. Right. And it was this experience. And my whole, it was the most discombobulated I've ever been. Right. And there was also a beautiful moment where Matthias started talking about I am, mm. And he moved from the "I am," which is all life. Hmm. I am consciousness, it's in, in its stillness, in its pregnant possibility state, awareness itself. Mm-hmm. I am. And it reminded me of what Paul Selig says in his classic you know, his classic intonation affirmation, "I know who I am in truth. I am." Hmm. Who I am is I am. Mm. And then Matthias had a singing, Mm -hmm. I I am. am. And I recognized that in the singing of I am, we were making a declaration of our vibration. Mm -hmm. And that was, I know what I am Mm -hmm. in truth. Mm -hmm. And the what was our emanation that comes from the source point, comes from the field of I amness. And as you express it through the word, through the tone, through the vibration, you declare what you are. Mm -hmm. And then to follow with Paul Selig's guidance, which comes from who he calls the guides. After you know who you are, what you are, the vibration that you are, which includes all of those little static electricity pieces, all of those reaching towards the divine, what you are in any moment, the declaration of what you are, then what you are then informs how you serve. I know how I serve Mm -hmm. in truth, Mm -hmm. because your act of service is an expression of who and what you are. Mm -hmm. And then everything else flows naturally Mm -hmm. from that experience. Yeah, And that moment in the bottom of the temple of Osiris was like, if if the, the experience at Dendro was like that was the number one, this is now number two. And so here I am, a 24-year a psychonaut. <clears throat> and the two biggest journeys wow. of my life were on some of the least medicine. Mm-hmm. And they were back to back in Egypt. Maybe a day apart, two, two days <laughs> yeah, apart, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, I don't know how much more of this I could take. So we scramble out of that place, but I wanna hear a little bit about like, what happened for you in the Osiris temple during that time.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was powerful. Um, going down into what was obviously not Egyptian architecture that comes from much older, like these megalithic stones that are stacked very simply on to each other. And then seeing this, what looks like, almost like a laser cut uh, flower of life there on, on one of the megaliths. That in and of itself is just almost an out-of-body experience to, to, to see the precision of that engraving, right? Just in that space to use his channeling with shekinah and um he came up to me and said something that that uh, I'll, I'll keep for myself mm-hmm. but um we were all called into this uh very long sort of corridor right that uh that was underground This little chamber a big chamber, very long, and we fit everybody in there. We fit about, I don't know, there had to be 120, 150 people in there, all chanting and meditating. One, I've just never been in that physical experience in my life, having 150 people who are either friends or acquaintances, sharing a tonal resonance and a heart space in an ancient temple. That in and of itself is just one of the most powerful things yep. uh, that I am so grateful for and, and probably top 10 experiences in my life just in that experience. As Matias and Shakina were channeling and saying, there's a ship coming and it's Anubis' ship. And I'm very drawn to Anubis in many ways. Um, I, I, I base my character on law and order off of Anubis in some ways. Where he's the protector of the dimensions, mm-hmm. the guardian between the living and the dead. Uh, obviously, that's what a homicide detective is in some ways. He's the last resource that the family has, as well as the clergy and and the uh, and the undertaker. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, those are the three people that the family deals with last uh, whenever someone is is violently removed from this realm. And so, I, I my character is is based on a the etymology of his name, Jalen Shaw, Shalom, Shalom. And Shaw is Welsh for Wolf, so peace wolf. And in the Egyptian tradition, there are no wolves or jackals. And a holy jackal, Anubis. So I'm very drawn to Anubis. Yeah. So that resonated with me. And the ship was Anubis's ship, the, the boat that goes on to yeah. Yeah. the river in between the dimensions. And on this ship was an ancestor I've called in a while back. Uh, I called him in August 30th, 2019, which was the 400-year anniversary of the first African foot to step foot on to, uh, to place its foot onto soil uh what would become America in the uh, a place called Point Comfort, Virginia uh, on a pirate ship called the White Lion. 20-some-odd 20, 20 Africans were traded for... Uh, rum, food and provisions. And I don't know if my ancestors were were one of those 20, but I do know that I wanted to honor my ancestry by calling in an ancestor, the the, uh, the father of my entire clan that day. And he came and he came and he's here and he's very helpful. And he showed me his pain. He showed me his story. He showed me so much that the past almost 4 years now but um we're we're very close mm. so he was there <clears throat> and they they said Call in your ancestors and there's a key that they want to give you and so I'm 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 in the process and I see my ancestor Ebo and I'm like oh it's you oh this is great this is cool this is I can do this <laughs> I've had a lot of fucking Uh, outlandish experiences in the quantum realm here in Egypt, and I'm happy to see a familiar face. (laughs) And so I'm like, thank God, Evo, come on, man, let's go. And Evo's like, "Mm -hmm." I'm like, what do you mean? And he kind of makes way and and he does this bow sort of movement, like to the ancestor behind him. And he's introduced me to other ancestors and he's never done this. He's always been like, and he comes from a, 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 a shamanic, almost royal lineage himself uh, in, in the Yoruba people. And um, he doesn't bow to people, I mean, it's not his thing, but he bowed to this man. And this was Pharaoh Akhenaten, who was standing there as clear as day, bathed in this orange sort of sun energy arc uh, field and it was unmistakably him. And I told a little bit of the story at, at the summit, but like I I I have had experiences with Akhenaten before and like I've gotten tattoos of him in my body and I I just never understood why I was drawn to him. And i have had these ayahuasca visions in which I had uh first and second person memories of things he was doing and things he was going through, uh, things that he thought were important. And this was the first time I'd ever encountered him as a being that was directly communicating with me. And, or maybe the first time I acknowledged it, I don't know if it's the first time, but it's the first time it was overwhelmingly undeniable that this was happening. And he's holding, he pulls out of his cloak or something, I don't know where it came from, the key, which is this Merkaba, three dimensional Merkaba, that's hovering over his hand and glowing gold, sun, sun orange, gold to yellowish, and this brilliant blue, white, blue, bright light, right? And I felt like that meant um, consciousness, spirit, that blue-white energy coming from that. And I felt like the orange, yellow was like the, the the power of being this to do, to accomplish, to to see it through. And he handed over this Merkaba, and I humbly accepted and. I kind of just kept that to myself. I told you, I told, mm-hmm. I told Frida, Shadi, and Bai, um, but I didn't tell anybody. And I just held this mark away in my being. And then two days later, three days later, we're at the Great Pyramids, and um, an Egyptologist walks up to me, and she she notices this piece, right? So I had to get this piece in Egypt because it's 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 Akhenaten on the front. And on the back is Horus, the hieroglyph of Horus. And when I saw that, I was like, "This motherfucker." Okay. Yeah. I see the piece. This is you know, this is it. So I'm wearing the piece, and she says, "What's your connection to King Akhenaten?" And I was a little guarded, like she she had been someone I hadn't really connected with in the trip, and I and I and I have my ideas about Egyptologists. I think they're kind of um, and I'm overgeneralizing, obviously, but I think that they are held within the boundaries of of what um, their academic structure is, and their their research is likely limited. But but then then again, you probably have people who are in that world who know more who just can't say it. Yeah. Right? And I found out that she was one of these people. Um, and we're talking a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm giving her some, some information that I feel like is fairly general and, 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 and protective of, of some of my own um, experiences that I've had. Um, and she says, he came to you when they said calling your ancestors, yeah? And I go, yep. She goes, and he gave you a, a yellow, a golden blue Merkaba. Did he not? Whoa! and I go, holy fuck. And I just started tearing up and um, I said, yes. I go, what do you, what do you, what do you see? Like, let's, let's change Let's change the direction of yeah. this conversation. What do you see? And she says, may I touch you? I can tell certain things if I touch you. I said, sure. So she puts her hands on my chest and then puts her head on my chest and she starts toning. And then I, I, I go into this sort of, one, I'm I'm a little guarded. I'm like, I don't know who you are. you touching me like this. Your head's on my chest and shit. Like, that. Oh, I feel like we're cuddling standing up. It's kind of weird. Um, once I got over that, I saw Akhenaten's face clear as day, like right next to mine in front of, in front of me. And I'm sitting here looking at him and he's like, what's up? I'm like, you're kidding, right? And it's just its just this, the market was here again. And she moves around me, puts her hands, I guess where my kidneys are. And then she puts her crown chakra on my back. I'd never felt anything like this. And like she starts humming and, 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 and toning and like my body starts vibrating. And like, I can just feel this, this golden blue light emanating from around me and didn't feel like mine, but it was also feel like it was being gifted. And she says, she comes back around and she goes, So were you him or does he speak to you? And I go, I don't know how to answer that. Hmm. She goes, we don't know a lot about his life. He was very mysterious. He was very secretive. He did some things that were, he brought the truth to light that people didn't want to acknowledge in his time. Do you feel like that's something that you're doing? I was like, yeah, I feel like it's part of my life's work. Yeah. She goes, okay. We don't know where his tomb is. We don't know a lot about his life. We know what he changed and that's how we are able to understand him in in the best way. But if you would come to Telavarna, if you come back to Egypt, I would like to guide you to his sacred spots and I think that you could tell us more about his life. And I was like, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a musician. <laughs> I'm a writer. I dress well. <laughs> I got a lot of good qualities. If you think I'm a reincarnated king from ancient <laughs> Egypt, I'm a slow. Let's let me just pump the brakes real quick, because yep. that's gonna be very hard for me to accept on top of everything else. But there's something in me that cannot deny the 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 experience, the the experience my body felt when she touched me. The experience I had when she I was given the Merkaba and she knew it. And there's something that I can't deny about that, and I and I will go back and I will go to his sites mm. and I will document it. And whatever happens, happens and i'm i'm ready I'm ready to see that myself, and I'm ready for the world to see that myself you know and somehow uh, it's a part of the tapestry of of this new new
0: world this this time between stories, and it's part of the new story of the new world, it's the remembering and you know so to weave us we're weaving now towards the conclusion, which is the pyramids. Jesus so me. we're wrapping towards this. so Matthias said one final thing when I was down in The in that structure in the Osirian Temple, where I had that realization of becoming the eye that could see manifestation into reality Mm -hmm. through the act of seeing, believing, and manifesting into reality. Mm -hmm. Then he comes up to me, and he goes. (laughs) He always knows what I'm experiencing. Like it's like magically, (laughs) yeah, exactly. He knows exactly. He's like Jesus, man. Yeah, and he goes, he goes. If you want to be the creator or a creator, you have to understand what it feels like to be a creator as a woman. As a woman. Those are
1: the true creators here.
0: Right. Those are the true creators. It's like you have to understand what it feels like as a woman to be a creator. And I'm like, well. I mean, there's a pregnant man emoji, but uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think I can physically experience what that would feel like, right? Who
1: am I gonna let impregnate you know? me? <laughs> that would be my like, yeah. had to be Prince. <laughs> there's gonna be a guy. Have to, you gotta dig up Prince. Ooh, you gotta, you Prince got, I mean, listen, if it's gonna, good. if I'm gonna get pregnant, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be Prince for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be Prince for sure, or no one. Yeah, yeah, MJ. He freaked me out. You know, <laughs> I don't know. He's behind you like, <laughs> oh, God. I mean, oh, no, no, I have a good relationship. <laughs> uh, I mean, he
2: didn't
1: make that. So, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. that
0: was an, a very interesting prophecy because what manifested within a day after that was the most horrendously painful gastric ulcer yeah. that I've ever had in my life. And that became a thread of, that was guiding through the rest of the ceremony. First of all, it was like my water broke, except it was just diarrhea. It was like, I mean, I I'm could, done. I could I'm not.
1: That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, so that was the first part. It was just like <laughs> incessant, yeah, like unstoppable. Oh, I remember. And then, and then, it was this gastric ulcer that was just growing in intensity, which is just this deep gnawing aching mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. so I'm I'm dealing with this and I didn't exactly put it together till later mm-hmm. that this was part of what Matthias was saying it was like mm-hmm. the pain, you know, to experience what it feels like as a woman and of course, I'm not saying that my gastric ulcer pain is the same as the pains of contractions, but there's some very interesting synchronicities that started to happen Mm -hmm. as I went through my own pain ceremony. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell the conclusion of the pain ceremony, which happened on the plane back from Egypt. But leading up, I had enough strength to make it to, I think they call it the Red Pyramid, that first pyramid that we went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just this beautiful experience. It has a body chamber, a heart chamber and a mind chamber yeah. and Vailana singing and making these incredible activations. It does smell like urine in, in all of the you temples. You keep
1: saying that. I don't think it smells like urine <laughs> per se. I think it's got a very distinct smell. Yeah. It, it smells it, like a subway. That people pissed in. <laughs> yeah. Well, people piss in subway. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, it's Listen, a, I haven't been in a subway in a long time, but I do remember a very distinct smell. Yeah, and it's very similar. It is. Answer. It is. It's not it is. just urine. No, it's twenty-two sure. percent urine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's it a lot of it urine. It has subtle notes. Oh yeah, no, subtle the subtle notes. Yeah, listen, if you were gonna read, it's
0: ammonia-like. Yes,
1: yes, like it would. It would be a significant amount of the ingredients. In yeah, that. yeah.
0: And so Violana starts singing, and she's she's doing this unbelievable activation, and I just start walking on this earth but this earth as the kingdom mm. and it was my you know there's all the talk about the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven which is here mm-hmm. if you have the if you have but the eyes to see it yeah. And this, the old teaching behold to make all things new is to see this new world. This is the new story is to see the world as beautiful as it actually is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in this heaven space where I can actually see the Eros of every piece of fruit, every conversation, mm-hmm. every smell, every dance, every touch, every breath of wind, every, every little touch of water. This made the, the feeling of the sunlight on my skin. It was full Eden and -hmm. I'm in this Edenic state and Vailana singing in this unbelievable song that's coming through and she's pulling a sword out of my stomach stomach. and like doing crazy magical shit but I'm just like cruising through heaven despite this deep deep pain that I'm holding which resided like calmed down for a moment while I was in that temple but that was just the start of my kind of pain journey and then I I drug myself and I want to hear more of your King's Chamber stories, but I'll tell, tell my entry. So make it back hard nights, no sleep, the pain of the ulcer, just like waking me up at night. There's, it's just, just I'm doubled over in pain. I'm trying to chant or tone. I'm waking Vi up for some kind of help, something to soothe me, taking all of the, you know, proton pump inhibitor medication and all of the things to kind of calm down the acid in my stomach starts to get real intense. I get just enough energy to to make it out to the Great Pyramid. I enter into the King's Chamber. And for me, in my experience in the King's Chamber, I came in real wounded. Like I came in with like an open wound in my psychic field, which was created by that ulcer in my body. It was like, it felt like I was, you know, I was really vulnerable. And the King's Chamber is a very interesting place because so many people have gone there since the origin of what it was used for and had cathartic experiences where they're purging out their own demons and they're channeling their own whatever the fuck they're channeling Mm -hmm. in this king's chamber because it's been that access point that so many people have gone to and i could feel that it there was this like it was powerful incredibly powerful and i had another beautiful experience in the sarcophagus where vi Mm -hmm. was singing to me as Mm -hmm. i was lying in there and some amazing moments in there. And and the music that she was singing, holy shit. It was like the heavens opened up and there was other musicians and it was this, it was was magical, but there was this sense of, there, this was not spiritually clean. There was a lot of energy. And I think if I was at full power, I would have had my force field of like my own spiritual fire that would have protected me. And it would have been like this fuck yeah, King's chamber but actually like some deep like festering darkness got in me mm. spiritually mm. and uh, and I'll tell the story at the end after we finish wrapping up your story about the pyramids about <laughs> kind of the the way in which actually you came and fucking helped me out big time from some of this spiritual kind of inf- it was almost like a spiritual infection that I got right. while I was in the king's chamber right. because I went in with an open
1: wound right Right, and 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 it's. It's a place that can do that. Yeah, yeah, it's a place that can do that. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, oh Cyrus, <laughs> 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 um, good God! Once again, I'll preface this by saying, I wouldn't believe me either. Yeah. I wouldn't believe me either. For sure. Um, it, it, but it's one of those moments again.
0: For and all the people who've already turned off this podcast and have declared
1: me and Makad kooks. Like, good for you.
0: I like, understand. You, and
1: if you haven't yet, turn it off now. That's fine. <laughs> um, because Feel free. It's about to get weirder. And, <laughs> but if you um, want to stick with this. Yeah. I, I, I'm doing a, a line of demarcation. So <laughs> here, here are the buttons. And if people have turned it off, they ne- they'll never see these buttons. Yeah. <laughs> um, So we're, we're, we're with a group of like 180, 200 people, wonderful human beings, Mark Hyman, Zach Bell, Radha, Mickey, Timothy, um, uh, Eli, just, just an incredible group of people, just yep. an incredible group of people. And yet there's also something that, that happens when there's a lot of people in one place where, you know, you, you, you kind of, it's harder to connect with the space in some ways, and we went into the king's chamber in different groups. Um luckily Matias took us to the, to the Red Pyramid first, uh the day before or something like that. And you know, I'm claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And like there's like if you haven't been to the pyramids, you're you're very surprised to understand that the stairwell is is the size of a Mini Cooper. It's a
0: four it's a four by four shoot. And I actually talked to Matias. Matias was like, you're not supposed to actually climb it. They actually would put you in like a a coffin sled, like a toboggan, and they would like Uh, lower you down and draw you up. Like if you were laying down, it makes total sense. Uh. Yes. You're supposed to be lying down like on a roll, like a like a coffin roller coaster. That makes sense. And you just fucking go down and then you lay back in the coffin roller coaster and they tug you back up. And that was the only way in and out. That, that makes total sense. But now. we're just fucking low crawling our way yeah, through this was, little chute. And it's like, it's long. Yeah. It's, it's like long. trying to stand up in a sphincter and walk your way out. I have never tried it, but <laughs> I'll take your word,
1: you and Kyle's word for it. <laughs> um, it's, a the, big, it's a big ass. Yeah, it's a big ass. You got to stand that up in that. Shrek ass right there. <laughs> um, the... Yeah, speaking of shrek ass um no the so the red pyramid was obviously the the mind body spirit um was was it heart was it was it heart it was it was body heart spirit body body Body, emotion body emotion spirit or body motion mind body motion mind so mind and spirit same thing right motion heart same thing right body body um so I, I, had, I had incredible experiences in that pyramid. I don't want to take anything away from that. I actually recorded some of our chants, they're beautiful. Um, incredible experience, first time in a pyramid, we'll never forget it. The Great Pyramid of Giza is a whole different technology. It's unbelievable. Going to, into the King's Chamber and the groups that we did, you got you were there, Vi was there, Frida, A lot of other people I really respect were in that room and in that chamber. And there was this, I felt what you felt. I felt that there may have been some energy that was unlocked in that place because the amount of people who may not have been in the same heart resonance, right? Just a lot of people in the room. And there was something about that energy towards the end of our time there where I had to get out first. I had to go. Yeah, like I was, I was grounding and I was grounded, and, and and there was a lot going on for me, and I just had to go. And I did, and I thought it was unbelievable. And there were certain things that happened in that that chamber that were very clarifying for me. Um, but what I do. No, and that was overwhelming for me in some ways was that I had been in that room before in a a past life. And it felt, um, I don't wanna say, it felt being in that room at that point in time felt less intentional than what I had remembered and it didn't align for me, so I left. And I had an experience with Matthias and Justin outside, uh, Venus above us, Isis above us, uh, the pyramid there at night, and um, connecting with that pyramid in, in, a, in a kinetic way. And, and, and it was beautiful. And then the next day, we decided to go back to the pyramid after everybody left. Um, so it was me, Frida, Shadia, Matthias, and his friend. I forget his name. It was just the five of us. And we go in, and I'm well rested. And we're alone. I'm at full physical and full spiritual power. Having had the the, the Akhenaten experience experiences already, having had the the experience. At Edfu, having had, uh, having held space in your experiences and Frida's experiences and Vi's experiences, Shada's, Shadia had—I uh, don't think she'd mind me saying—she had kind of this past life regression moment at Karnak after you guys left, that we had to sort of, you know, help her breathe into and accept, right? And it was inexplicable for her. She's never experienced anything like that. So we've all had these experiences, right? And she was studying, so she missed going into the King's chamber. So we all went back the next day and there we were. And when I close my eyes, I can still feel the room. I can see the room. I can see how awestruck i am by by the technology that created such symmetry and that yeah. moment, i'm ocd and i count everything right i count the blocks it's nine every way i was like wow this is amazing and these, these, these megalithic blocks are tons mm. they're thousands of tons surrounded by the fucking massive pyramids surrounded by more thousands of tons yeah and so when you really just put it into perspective where you are, that in and of itself is a marvel of engineering, ingenuity, and purpose. But being in the experience of that space with just the five of us and this guard who was there, at first he was trying to, you know, um, conduct the experience, telling us what we couldn't do, what we could do. And then Matthias was... And then I remember I took my shirt off because it's hot as balls in there. It's yeah. like it's like it's a, a sauna. It's a yeah, it is a sauna. Um it's it, bikram yoga, ain't got shit on this, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it's nothing. So I take my shirt off and we start meditating and doing the whole thing, and I have my hand on the on the sarcophagus. And I remember feeling um self-conscious about what I wanted, what what, it, what felt right for me to do, which was to get inside of it. And I was like, isn't this disrespectful? All these different things. And then there's, it was this very clear voice of like, of saying, no, this isn't, this was no one's tomb. This was a sarcophagus for preparation. You're supposed to get in. I was like, oh. you're just supposed to get in with the right intention. Mm. And I, I think I saw some of that, just, just, uh, not lack of, but unawareness of the intention, of the purpose of the sarc- sarcophagus the night before. And I think that's what triggered me. And the guard was trying to tell me something about putting my shirt on. And I was like, no. I was like, I like I didn't speak English. And the, he's like, what language do you speak? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I remember we're all sort of, we're trying to get into the experience and the guard is kind of trying to take us out, which is so interesting. It's just so weird like that that it operates that way. Because they want it to be this place of tourism and commodify the architecture and the and the, and the archeology span and the experience. But it's almost like they don't want it to be used for what it was intended to be used right. for, which is so interesting to me because it doesn't make sense. So I'm there and like we're, I'm, my energy's kind of blocking that off and I could feel Frida's energy protecting that space. Matthias's energy was protecting that space. Shadi's energy was protect- protecting that space. And she actually had a physical interaction with him that made him calm down, which was really beautiful. Um, and he kind of left the room. And at the same time he left the room, I didn't know he left the room, but I got into the sarcophagus and I laid there. And as soon as my back hit the bottom of it, I remember that there used to be water in there, like a little bit of water. Like to help the sound vibration in some way. And I was like, "Oh, where's that water?" <laughs> and then, full buffo experience. Well, the entire room went away. Sarcophagus went away. I heard. I still heard the chanting. I still heard the voices. Matthias was speaking. chem Atlantean. I don't know. Um, and I'm having this full on Bufo experience, which reminded me of when the Egyptologist touched me. And here's Akhenaten again, clear as day, just in my face doing this. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And then what came out of me was this chant, which is an ancient Egyptian concept called Ka. Right, which has the sound of creation in it. But it's the Egyptians translated it as like your chi, your life force, like the the personalized version of your own signature of Eros, right? Like mm-hmm. it's this, it's this beingness that energizes the soul to live, right? And 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 through it, anything is possible. You can you can manifest your ka somewhere else as well. And I just remember going into this deep meditation of and continuing that for what felt like an eternity. And all of my own self-consciousness, all of my own social conditioning, all of my own limited belief systems, everything that I thought about, is this psychotic? Is this, do I think I'm special, whatever. All those ideas simply fell away. Yeah. As I'm connecting myself to my car. And it was like this energetic shower of warmth, Confidence and knowing this that, no. You're not special. No, this isn't crazy. No. That's a laundry machine. (laughs) No, you're not. Imagining this. There is something that's happening. That you need to accept, yeah. Beyond your conscious mind. Beyond your own self judgment, beyond what you may believe to be acceptable with your limited access to this magic, that all fell away. It was no match for the experience that was happening, that was actually happening to me. And I remember Matthias sort of breaking the spell of, 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 of the bufo experience, basically. And he said it in a different language, but it was very, very clear. It almost felt like English because I knew exactly what he was saying. And he said, "Hmm." Uh, I hesitate to say this, but I'm gonna say it. He said something along the lines of, Welcome home. All hell I could not think, rise. <laughs> and the energy in my body knew that this was the last ka I needed to lock something in. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to say this in a very rationalized way. Like, I am a data-driven person. I am a, a very rational thinker. I'm an independent thinker, but I'm a rational thinker. I don't know what happened. I don't have to know what happened. I just have to humble myself to the experience that something beyond my understanding happened. And that we can all find ourselves in that position if we just get the fuck out of our own way. Mm -hmm. And because of of my experience with near-death experience and the coma and the past life regressions, and the psychedelics I've had in my life, I'm able to get out of my own way. And I rose out of the sarcophagus. I saw my beautiful goddess Frida's smiling face still in her goddessness of holding space, just holding incredibly pure angelic isis space hawthor space mm-hmm. and i see matthias i'm a believer yeah this magician this this wizard this beautiful soul who's come back to just remind us all that we've been here before we're always here, we're going to do this again and we got to put the pieces back together. And I just saw that in him. I saw his friend holding space. I look over, I see Shadia holding this beautiful space of, 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 of resonance and gravity that I've never seen from her. And there was something pure and innocent about the exploration of her power in beingness in that space. And I felt myself. And I can honestly say this, I can say the same thing you said to me 30 minutes ago. This was the most powerful experience I have ever had (laughs) in my life. And I've had a near-death experience. Yeah. I've had a coma. I've had accidental past life regression experiences. I've had 42 ayahuasca's. I've had a a countless number of other psychedelic experiences. And this micro-dosed psilocybin. My, literally a, 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 a nibble. And this was the most powerful experience I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never felt surrounded. So I've never felt so centered. I've never felt so re-inspired. I've never felt so clear in my mission and that the path that I'm walking is not the highest path. The path that I'm walking is the creation path. It's higher than the highest path. It it exists because I'm walking it and that was clear. And that's never been clear to me in anything else I've done. So I can guarantee you this, I'm renting out that pyramid. (laughs) Let's go. I I found out the price. I'm renting that pyramid overnight and we're gonna go crazy in there with intention. But that's the goal it's maybe to do that like once a year for me, like mm. the realignment that I had in there was, was beyond anything I could, I could, I could even explain. Um, I feel complete. Hmm. I feel complete.
0: I mean, the, these things that we're saying, like you have to understand the brotherhood that Makat and I have shared yeah. and the amount of, <laughs> the amount of expansive experiences we've been involved with, right, and to say and to declare these these moments of the highest, the highest and the most significant experiences of our life happening,
1: it's it's really profound. So I just want to let that land. Look, okay, let me let me put this in perspective. I have my father left me when I was four or five years old. I have healed that for the most part. I feel like 90% healed in that in ayahuasca. It's really caused me to be able to jump dimensions and go back to that four-year-old in the bathtub and hug him and say, I'm your father now, I got you. And I've had that experience. This was more powerful. Yeah. This was more powerful than healing, than being able to jump timelines and go to the four-year-old in the bathtub and tell him, no, your father didn't leave you because you weren't enough. Your father left you because he's not enough. And tell tell that little kid what he needs to hear and hold him physically, have a kinetic reaction to holding that myself as a child. That happened through ayahuasca. And it, had, it couldn't hold a feather to what happened in the King's Chamber. Mm-hmm.
0: And what happened in the King's chamber required every other step along your path. You know, so somebody listening is like, let me just fucking skip the steps and go nope. to, go to Dendra, go to Syrian Temple, and then go to the. I, I highly recommend you don't do
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it, it just won't. It just won't happen. You'll you, you know? you have an experience. You'll have a different one.
0: Yeah, it's hey, just don't have experience. It, I think so. The the cute. It was like a. It was just culmination moment, really, mm-hmm. for both of us. And mm-hmm. but my journey wasn't actually done because the prophecy that Matias shared of feeling what it feels like to be a creator ah, as a woman, yep, yep, yep. had to continue, and that yep. really didn't hit till. We were on the flight home. And I make it, I mean, it's, it's a 2 a.m. flight out of Cairo. Cairo Airport is a is fucking- it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I mean, like- Cairo's wonderful. Let's just preface that. Cairo's yeah. an incredible city. There's a, lot of back. Be, there's a lot of beautiful Sixth Egyptian airport. people. <laughs> yeah, airports. There's like four security checkpoints. Trash. And they make it a point to fondle every one every, of your sacred objects. They oh pulled out my caripe and we're just rubbing it around. So And they
1: they were touching this on my neck, flipping it around. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like, no, it's not. Every fucking. Like, never touchy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. Everything that I would never (laughs) let anybody touch. They were just grabbing. They would like find, they had like fucking, they just honed in. I was like, did you wash your hands? On the most offe- yeah. most offensive thing they could yeah. do to my yeah. stuff.
1: I put my nose in that. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. my creepy thing, man. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So we get through that and we, we make it from the flight and we were we we're on the path. We make it from flight Cairo to Dubai and that flight was pretty tough. And we get into Dubai and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it home. Like I didn't know if I needed to go to the hospital in Dubai oh. because my pain was just, Overwhelming, and I'm just sweating, and it, that level of pain sustained for that long—it yeah. was coming in waves, and then particularly just, on an airplane, it just makes yeah. it worse. Just amplifies it so much time. worse. Just amplifies everything. But you know, and, and Vi hadn't had any sleep, so she's trying to like bleary out because I've been keeping her up with how much pain that I've been in, and yeah. she's been supporting me, and so she's taking a nap, and then alana and Soraya are trying to help me get me water and Man. and we're all trying to make it through this together we make it i decide all right fuck it i'm getting on this plane and we're gonna make it home and i'll go to the hospital when i get home if yeah. i need to or yeah. whatever but yeah. we're gonna fucking make it Good and so i'm in the plane and it just I get a little bit of little bit of peace and then it just starts to starts to rock me and the pain was so severe, like so intense. Mm-hmm. And in one of these, one of the intensities of this experience, my third eye vision space and no medicine at all, zero medicine at all at this point, there's, cause I'm just sick. Like I'm just in like the most pain. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just seeing like demons and I'm seeing myself in this tunnel. And I'm like, I'm fucking stuck in this tunnel of hell. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck in this tunnel of hell and then i'm like what is this fucking tunnel so i like burst out with my vision Mm -hmm. and i see that i'm stuck in the belly of this fucking snake Mm -hmm. and i have this knowledge that in the king's chamber there was this snake energy not a benevolent snake but a malevolent Mm -hmm. snake energy Mm -hmm. that it swallowed me and so i'm like fuck i'm like stuck in this fucking snake and I have a very sacred sword that I bring with me into my journeys, into my psychic space. I have sacred objects. But my sword is not meant to cut. It's a ceremonial sword that my mom gave me. And it's to claim ground as the kingdom. Right. It's to take empire and say, no, no, this is no longer empire. This is the kingdom and to bring the beauty. Mm-hmm. So, but I was trying to cut with it. So I was like, I gotta cut my way out of the snake like I was Drax, trying to go inside that intergalactic being and like cut his way out from the inside, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that didn't work, yeah. so I was stuck. So then I it's, grabbed- it's a, it's a dull sword. <laughs> it's a dull sword. Yeah, yeah. It's not meant for cutting. It's a butter sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not meant for cutting. Yeah. That's magical powers. not meant for yeah, cutting. Exactly. So I grabbed my staff and I'm like, I'm gonna walk out of this bitch like Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna like push and walk out, walk out, walk. So I walk through the belly of the snake. And again, no medicine, just in my vision space, racked with pain. Mm-hmm. And I walk my way out. And then I get to the jaws of the snake. And then the jaws open up as I'm pushing the staff, there's creating the space. And then I wheel around, I get outside of the jaws and the snake actually closes through the staff. The staff goes through the top of its head, but it didn't actually, didn't actually do anything to the snake. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just fending off the whole snake mm-hmm. with this staff and it's coming out. It wants to swallow me again. I'm like, I cannot get swallowed by the snake. Ha- Maestro Hamilton had told me many, many years ago that if you get swallowed by a snake, you're encapsulated in a place where you have no longer have access to your spiritual power so all that talk about my ability to link myself (laughs) to the love of brahman and all of that would have been encapsulated in the body of the snake so i was like i don't want to be in this fucking snake so i start calling on my allies in the astral space and i call on by who has a deep deep relationship with kali and i was like by in the kali emanation come help me and she comes in like the warrior queen that she is, diamond warrior queen. And she, Kali energy cuts off the head of the snake. And I'm like, fuck yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, fuck yeah. Except the snake, cha, the exactly. snake didn't need a body to keep coming after me. So they the never head, do. The head yeah. is now, the head is still after me. And it's even more active and even more aggressive than it was before. Right. So I call in my brother Aaron, our brother Aaron. And he has allies of these white lions and, and the white lions start to surround the snake and they start attacking in formation and different patterns and like helping me out, helping me in this fight as the snake's trying to swallow me. And I'm like, fuck, but still the snake is like relentless. And I just, I'm in this, like in this battle, just trying to fend it off and keep it from swallowing me, even though it's just ahead and the lions are helping me. And then I'm like, I gotta call Makah. I gotta call Makah. And, and you, have a, you have a dragon that I've been fortunate enough to see in the medicine journeys that yeah. we've shared. You have yeah. a special dragon. Yeah. He's, he's and I call, I call you he's in dope. on yeah. your dragon, on yeah. your chimera-like dragon. And, <laughs> and you come in on your dragon and you ride right up to the side of that snake And on the dragon, you just take a swipe like Jax, like just, (laughs) and bam, just haymaker, haymaker, just smash the snake. And the snake's head goes swirling, spinning, twirling, and like smashes into some astral floor somewhere. And then you just leap off of, leap off of your dragon go on to the snake that's dazed from your haymaker you grab it by the jaws and like king kong in that fucking movie you just rip open the jaws and pull it apart and so there's no longer a snake head there's just two jaws and yeah. it just dissolves into nothing nice. and you just stand over that thing like yeah i got you bro i got you bro and i was like oh. that's a pretty good
1: tagline too i was like
0: <laughs> i was like oh, fucking hey man thank you and at that point, there was still like a lot of like demons in my visions and Vi was guiding me to like help me deal with all of these things, all of this darkness and these kind of like psychic energies there was still and I started to use all my tools and get some power. But still, so all right, so I, I'm out of that first crisis, the spiritual crisis, things start to calm down, the demons gone, I'm out of the snake, I have access to my spiritual power again, you know, because I was, I was like ready to give up. In that moment, it was, yeah, it was, it was dark. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I just don't know if I can go on. And I'm thinking of Marcus Luttrell and, and Vy's helping me, like, just one line in the sand, just make it another minute, one more minute, one more minute. There's a 14 hour flight, just one more minute. It's going to end at some point. Yeah. Make it to the next minute, make it to the next minute. But I'm resisting and, and fighting and grappling with the pain. And then, you know, through Vy's guidance and my own internal wisdom, it's like, what if you just surrendered completely to the pain and brought your awareness to the pain? And I was like, it's too painful. I can't yeah. do it. I fucking can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I did it. And this deep pain right in, my, right in my solar plexus. And I just started to meditate and allow that pain to expand, 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 expand. And it was overwhelming, the amount of pain. But there was a certain point where the pain just became a sensation right the pain was just a sensation and i was able to observe simply the sensation of it and there was this like little click that happened in my consciousness where it was almost like spirit was like and this is the lesson Hmm. this is like this is the lesson of the initiation Hmm. and from that moment anytime the pain would come back i would just meditate and expand the pain go into the pain expand the pain until it would reach this unbearable and then it would switch and transmute alchemize into just sensation and then i could just hold the sensation without the attachment to the suffering that the sensation was causing because Mm -hmm. of my resistance to it right so disambiguated pain and suffering and disambiguated pain from sensation it was just sensation right and it was part of life right and then and and you can even make that into pleasure if you do it long enough right yeah Yeah. right like that's that yeah like that's yeah that's it's the, that's the master. Yeah, that's the ultimately, ultimately yeah. the master level, but miraculously, I mean, this is, this was a gastric ulcer. I like saw a doctor in Egypt and and yeah. it, I know what it, I knew what it was, but at that, after that point, it all really through psychosomatic metaphysical ways started to heal and it started to heal. And by the time I touched down in Houston, the pain was really gone. Hmm. And it was like, it was like a fucking miracle, hmm. but it was made possible. I think through my belief field of realizing that I'd learned the lesson, I'd felt the pain of what it was like to, to be a creator. I'd fulfilled that prophecy in, in a way. And yeah. not that I won't have to experience more pain, but I also saw how many ways in life that I, when a little fatigue comes or a little pain comes, I'll apply some salve or some soothe or some distraction instead of just being with the sensation of it and allowing it to actually reach its full potential and then breaking it in alchemy by my awareness of it and then the transmutation of it and you know so for the last week i've just been powering up powering up powering up and then here in montana you know I got, I was came in maybe 70% mm-hmm. and then the mountains and the air and the loving fit for service community yeah. and all of you guys yeah. and everything, yeah. you know, and advise ever present and consistent love. And, and all of that, I was able to power up fully. And, you know, this was in my
1: opinion, the greatest fit for service summit we've ever had. I mean, listen, I've been to a few this is, this is a different level. Yeah, And I think it is because all of us are coming in with these Egyptian codes, but it's also, it's a testament to what you've been building for years. And, you know, Hamilton said this a long time ago, like he said he started the beating of the drum in the quantum, right? And if you heard the drum beat, you were gonna come this way, right? And you've created your own drum beat now. You created your own frequency, your own wavelength. And I think the right people are finding that wavelength. And yes, it is, there's something about the community, but there's something about the audacity of beating the drum Mm -hmm. that I wanna give you credit for.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. And the drum beat is, is all in for all life. It
1: is and that have you explained that yet because even i had that wrong at first so you you, You you need to know that so
0: that's something that came through during a ceremony we had when we were liberating my father and it came through mark gaffney and he'd he'd heard it before but it came through in a crystallized form he heard it from uh, a brother christopher and it came through and it just became like this this mantra Mm -hmm. that we had which is we're fully committed not just to the end of our life, but to all life, to every life form in the cosmos, like the force of life, Eros, as opposed to the Citra akra, the upside down, the deadness of the universe, Mm -hmm. as they say in the Zohar, the Citra akra, the turning of the face from God, the the upside down world, the Thanatos, the death, Mm -hmm. which is really the numbness because death is actually just... uh, Uh, transition into greater life more life yeah Yeah. so but it but it's it's the antithesis of the life it's the anti-matter yeah Yeah. so it's it's this commitment to all life and this really started to come forward in a major way here in montana and there was a there was a mudra yeah there's a mudra that came through and for the first time i publicly shared it in the speech this is that dope. I gave
1: this at, dope.
0: at the end. <laughs> this is so good. So to tell the story of this mudra, we got go back to Sedona, where we had Mark Gaffney, John Churchill, Waira, a bunch of, you know, Aaron, a bunch of different, you know, Lana, the whole fucking crew was there, right? Everybody was, everybody was there in Sedona. And they were John and his wife were sharing, they were about to lead us into a meditation, and they said, you know, I want us to go into the first mudra, which is the baby mudra. And the baby mudra is holding your fist around your thumb. And it's what babies naturally do. Mm-hmm. They hold their fist around their thumb. Why they do that, I don't know. But babies just do that. Mm-hmm. So it's they call it the first mudra, the baby mudra. It's a mudra of innocence. Mm-hmm. And it flashed in my mind at that moment. I remembered that my first karate instructor, Tang Soo Do instructor, tenth degree black belt, Pat Johnson, when I was really young, because I started taking karate when I was really young. My mother is a Tang Soo black belt. My father was a red belt. Like they were in this in this practice. So he started teaching me when I was little, three, four years old. So imagine maybe four, let's say four year old Aubrey, and I'm doing, you know, starting to learn karate from Pat Johnson and he shows me says he shows me that fist where i'm holding my thumb and he says this is what babies do but when you practice karate if you want to use your fist you put your thumb outside Mm -hmm. of your outside of your hand and that way you can punch because Mm -hmm. if you punch with your thumb on the inside you'll break your thumb you'll hurt yourself so if you want to punch you have to move your thumb out to the outside And that flash just like, I never, I never remembered that moment till that, till that one point in time. Mm. And then I just saw, and I felt this energy move through me where I just took that, where my thumb was on the inside of my hand and I lifted it up in the air as like a sign of standing for all life. The mm-hmm. classic sign of revolution. I mean, this was what the Black Panthers had, right? was the raising of the fists. Mm-hmm. And we have that, it's even an emoji. It's an emoji, right? Yeah. It's like the raising mm-hmm. of the fist, but it's with the thumb on the outside. Right. And with the thumb on the outside, there's the implied threat that that's a fist, that's a bald fist, mm-hmm. and that fist could punch you. Right. Right? That's right. what's implied with the thumb on the outside. Right. But when you raise the fist with the thumb on the inside, it's with the knowledge that yes, you could still punch, but if you punched, it would hurt yourself right. as much as it hurt the one that you punched, right. which is the universal recognition that we all share in the field of life. And right. that there is no way to punch an other without punching yourself without punching yourself in some way shape or form in some yeah. way shape or form right and so standing for all life but with the awareness through the symbol of this mudra mm-hmm. that we know that we stand with everything i we got our full heart our full power but we know that if we ever use this fist it's just hurting ourselves right. so it's the very last resort because right. it's mutual destruction right every time we attack right and so that came through as a That's sign great. Great. of all in yeah. for all life and the spiritual awareness that we all share in this field of life
1: mm. i hope it catches on I, I know it'll catch on um because it just makes so much sense you know and, and, and this being the fist of revolution and, and and that that revolution being materially justified in many ways right for sure what, whatever revolution it was didn't take into consideration that violence will always hurt me too. Yep. Right. And this one does. And I, I think it just goes past, you know, our sacred cows, it goes past their polarity and get cut straight to the chase. People are sick of certain things, but violence is the last course of action. Yep. That's it's beautiful. it. That's it. It's beautiful, man.
0: Yeah. And in this life, brother, it's like we're, there's a quickening that's happening Mm -hmm. you know where we're unlocking our potentials we're remembering we're gathering and we're being attacked of course Mm -hmm. like all of those people who stand for value who build who build and i talked about this in the speech as well build these these temples in time Mm -hmm. build these tribes not in space Mm -hmm. but in time that are Mm -hmm. built in value itself Mm -hmm. built in in all in for all life consciousness Mm -hmm. like as we build this together Mm -hmm those forces that are fueled by the upside down, fueled by the citra acra, fueled by empire, and the fear that love isn't available, this, this denial of our true nature, the intentional confusion, seeds of confusion and delusion that have been sowed and the breaking of all of our lineages in so many ways intentionally. Yeah. You know, like you think of the, the breaking of the lineages of the native people of this land that we're here, we're in the Ugh. Lakota Sioux territory, right? Yeah. They were banned, just like, just like in the temples, they were forbidden to sing and to dance. Right. And, to, and, go to, and to go to their own sacred spots. And to go to their own, they were yeah. forbidden from doing the thing that actually, so it was an intentional breaking For of sure. the spiritual power For sure. of people. And this happened universally right. to all people. It happened to the Druids. It happened right. to the yes. Hebrews. It happened to, the Africans, it happened, right. it happened universally. Right, right. And there's so much pain and so much trauma from all that. But now is the time for like all of those broken pieces mm-hmm. to be recognized, acknowledged, mm-hmm. loved, mm-hmm. treated with maximum compassion, right. but also an invitation to say, we all have to come together on this team for life. Because right now, for the first time in history, it is actually existentially a life or death situation. Like we are on the precipice of, we're either gonna make it through this narrow place, we're gonna make it through this narrow place, or
1: we're gonna collapse it in on itself and have to start fresh. Either way will work. One, one way is less painful, you know? And I'm like, it's like Matias said, the, the void is a singularity. So we either have to come together or we will be forced together. And, some, and that's what's gonna bring a, a, about a new birth, a birthing place for this consciousness. Like it's, it's going to come together or it will be forced together in some way. And I, for one, prefer this method. Yeah. yeah. And look,
0: If at the end of the day, we know that we came and we incarnated and we lived our life and we felt the beauty of it and we got to experience it and it was the final days of earth and we gave it our heart and we gave it our love and we tapped into the field of Eros and we felt it. And then we know, we would know that in the records of all time, in the sacred Akash, there were the ones who lived on this planet and they loved and they felt and they danced and they cried. And they sung their song and they fought with everything they got with Mm -hmm. full knowledge of the truth of all of the cosmos and whether they succeeded or whether they didn't, you know, that ballad is going to be sung and there's a deep peace that comes from the all in to not cause, because the only place where I feel like I don't want to be at the very end is like, man, what if I would've went all in? Mm. What if I would've went all in for all life? Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. just
1: maybe that would've changed it, you know? And, and, and I don't wanna be there. But being, being in the struggle of, so the, the African-American experience is what you're describing. It is the being in the struggle for all life. Because when you look at, particularly in this space time, when you look at what the African-American has had to endure, and this justified materialized um, bitterness that pumps through every heartbeat that we have at being ripped from our homeland, having our language taken, having our spiritual resonance adjusted, having our gods taken from us. We are in the fight of saying, if you treat the least of us equal, that means you have to treat everybody equal. Mm. And that's the part that I think that people are starting to understand is that African-Americans have never been fighting for themselves. They've been fighting for all of yeah. humanity. There's, this, there's a saying from Jesus,
0: that which you do to the least of us, mm-hmm. you do to all of us. Right. You do to me. Right. He, and when he said me, he meant all life. All of us, yeah. He meant, he meant the Christ. He meant the all life right, that which you do to the least of us, you do to me, and and this is what you've been so focused on, this human equity consciousness, this right, idea right. of like,
1: there's we can't leave anybody behind. No. Even if that means that you had a head start, if you're feeling left out now, take my hand, let's go together. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the point I wanna make, it's it, building on your point about not wanting to get to the end of life going, man i should have i should have went all in for all life the point is not to succeed in the revolution the point is to acknowledge that we're in one if you can acknowledge that we are in a conscious revolution then that revolution is birthed in the spirit of those that are connected of the initiated of those that are experiencing the collective consciousness once enough of us wake up and say, "Oh, we're in one." That's all it takes. Yeah, and it will. The universe. The, the, Martin Luther King said, "The uh, the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice," and it will. Just enough of us have to say and acknowledge that we're in a consciousness revolution, mm-hmm. and that's all we got to do. Mm-hmm. And then the answers will unfold. Yeah. And then you'll get to the end of your life knowing that what you started, what you acknowledged, will play itself out. Maybe not in our lifetimes, but it won't have to go another five hundred years of this shit. Yeah. right. And that's that's the that's that's the point. Yeah. There's such there's such liberation
0: in. Moving beyond your own small needs mm-hmm. and connecting to that telos, to that greater purpose. Yeah. When you can really step into the current of all in for all life, mm-hmm. it can feel like maybe you don't get to make the same small choices, but actually there's such liberation in it because there's such purpose. Mm-hmm. Like we understand the telerotic nature, like mm-hmm. the having a purpose, but feeling the eros the whole way telos, direction, mm-hmm. telerotic. Mm-hmm. So you're like, have mm-hmm. direction and Eros at the same time, and and this kind of
1: engagement with the vibrancy of life. So we're living a teleuronic story. Exactly. The Saturn and Jupiter energy, the creation energy and the direction energy. Yeah, Put it forward in time. And that's all we gotta do. That's all we gotta do. That's all we gotta do. We gotta do. Acknowledge the fucking consciousness revolution. That's it. And if you made it this far in the podcast
0: without shutting it off, you're in it, Good baby. For you. You're in it, baby. Maybe you have
1: to recognize it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. talking to you at we're this talk, point. Yeah. All six of you <laughs> who were left over. You well, know, these motherfuckers are psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have four new allies after this three-hour
0: podcast.
1: Fuck yeah. Holy shit. It's for you four. We're listening. Dan, Roger, <laughs> Stephanie, we know who you are. You're out there. You're out there. You made it. Those are three names that are likely here too. Man,
0: <laughs> My brother, I love you so yeah, much, I love man. you so much,
1: man. man. Thanks for having
0: me. This yeah. This is great. Thanks for being with me in this world and every other, man. Mm. I, this doesn't feel like the first time we've done this and- no, I don't feel like it's going to be like the last time we've done this, but no. let's make this one a story that we'll always tell when our souls go and we tell the stories of the many lives. Mm-hmm. Let's make this one filled with laughter, filled with love, filled with a few fucking shaking our head I and mean, being like, damn. Man, that shit was great. <laughs> that shit <laughs> was wild. That shit was wild. Yeah. Through, we're all, we're the doing pain, we're through all the pain, through all the challenge, through all the beauty, like this is this is our story and we have, we hold the pen. And let's make it a fucking beautiful one as we are, brother. My brother. I love you, man. I love you too, man. And this dimension and all the others. Love Amen. You. Amen. Love you guys too. And love, love everybody guys. here. Love everybody. All in for all life. There it is. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast with myself and Makad. Please watch Law & Order, Immortal Kombat, and all the cool things that Makad is involved in. Follow him on Instagram. And of course, we told a lot about Matthias Stefano. There's so much that he has available on Gaia and on many other podcasts that we've been on together. I'm sure we'll tell another version of this Egypt story one day down the road uh, from his perspective with everything that he saw, having been a veteran of these type of magical experiences. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being with us on this journey. We love you madly, and we'll see you next week.